Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are, uh, we are glad to have you here and um, we hope that you will find today's discussion uh, very valuable and practical. To that end, we are putting the link to the live stream in the uh, chat and here it is on screen. So even if you're on a mobile phone, you should be able to use this link to come online and um, participate. Make it, let's make this more of a Zoom call than uh, just the typical uh, us speaking and you listening. <laughs> because today, the topic of our discussion is going to be the spiritual journey, the, the actual road trip of our lives, which is, if we're honest with ourselves, it's more like a series of road trips. So the road trip analogy is quite pertinent. And as we progress through today's live stream, we will, we will see just how appropriate the road trip analogy is to our journey in life, our spiritual journey. So in order to preface or create the backdrop for this journey of ours, let's recall some of the road trips that we've been on, some of the trips that you've taken, and some of the tools that you have used on that journey. Now, typically, when we think about a road trip, the tools that we listed even in the, um, the graphic for today's video. Those tools were, we listed as a, a map, a GPS in more modern times. Of course, we didn't have a GPS 20, 30 years ago, but everybody has a GPS today in their phone. But then there are also signs. And then there's also the old adage, follow your nose, which another way can be expressed, follow your gut. All of these tools we use when planning a trip. Now, the thing about a road trip is typically, not always, but typically, we have some destination in mind. And sometimes, not always, we might even have a deadline for arriving at that destination. Perhaps we're going to another city, another province, another state for some event. Perhaps it's a concert. Perhaps it's uh, a wedding, a funeral, 
some other family related occasion. Perhaps we're going to visit relatives or friends and they're going to be hosting a dinner or whatever, and we have to arrive there by a certain hour. Because of these real world parameters, we will often turn to maps or Google Maps or our GPS to approximate for us what the fastest route will be, what the shortest route will be. Varying various different physical material variables come into play as we are planning these types of road trips. Or perhaps we're going camping. Uh, here in Canada and Ontario, it's a very common thing for people to go up north to the cottage or up north camping, and perhaps they're going to a, a national park that they've never visited before. Certainly, this is the case in the United States. People from all over the United States will travel to Yellowstone National Park, or will go to Colorado, or even Las Vegas, or um, any of the many uh, uh, sites and natural wonders and uh, man-made wonders that you have in the United States. The road trip is an iconic, uh, almost universal experience, whether it's in uh, the Western Hemisphere or in Europe or in the Far East. Along the way, depending on how, depending on your personality and how you like to plan things, how deeply and intricately you like things planned, how organized you are, you might even plan rest stops along the way. Okay, we'll, we'll plan, you know, we'll stop here or we'll stop there. Or you might plan along your route to take little side trips, side journeys, to go see some sites or see some points of interest or visit some individuals who are along the route that you're going to be taking anyway. All of these come into play to one degree or another when we talk about taking a road trip. Well, how does this relate to our journey in life? And the question that we pose to you is, do any of us have a map? Do any of us really know where we're going? So right away, when you look at that primary tool that we use in life for taking a road trip, we turn to maps. Long before the advent of GPS, we had roadmaps, you know, the big, the kind that, we, that would unfold and would cover up the whole windscreen so you could hardly use them while you were driving. You have to, you have to plan everything out ahead of time. You, have to, you, you would have to know where you were going. How many of us know where we're going in life? And how many of us know where we're going on our spiritual journey? Do any of us really have a map? Do we have a destination and do we have a deadline? These are questions that we're just asking because everyone's different. Everyone's journey is different. Everyone's path is different and everyone's access to information is different. And we mentioned that our spiritual journey, our journey through life is not so much one journey. Yes, it is one journey. 
but that one journey that one lifetime is made up of many shorter journeys there's many short road trips come together to form this one long epic journey of our life so in an abstract way we're trying to compare and trying to use this map analogy but can we think of any practical examples a practical case study and how this most common tool in the real world having a map applies to spiritual quests spiritual journeys and the short answer is do you have a vision do you have some insight a vision related to some aspect of your journey now it might not be the whole thing but again if your life's work if your life's journey your spiritual path to your destiny is a series of short road trips and each road trip represents an important building block then it is very it is very possible to receive a vision or a map or a blueprint if you want to use that analogy instead for that particular segment of your journey someone has uh tried to join the uh the chat here so uh we will uh wait until we get some sort of a indication that they're actually connecting Hana Tarash um so where the first tool is involved having a map it is possible to receive uh, a map. Hello, Azazel. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I, good. I'm good, actually. Um, I don't know what's up with uh, Hannah Tarash. He seems to be uh, not uh, <laughs> not working well. But anyway, we'll 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 monitor that, and when he, he uh, pops on, we'll we'll have him join. So this. Uh, it is, however, for most people, fair to say, for most people, generally speaking, their spiritual journey uh, comes without a map. It's very few people that you can meet who can honestly say that, you know, here's my map, here's where I'm going, and here, here's how I plan to get there. And there are many reasons for this but and they're all practical reasons but they're practical reasons of a metaphysical nature they're not uh necessarily practical from our point of view <laughs> exactly no um and that sort of goes without saying however we have a another tool that we use certainly in modern times and everybody has it in their phone it's called the gps and 
the thing about a GPS is that you just put in the destination where you're going and the GPS will give you turn by turn navigation. This all of us have. All of us have an internal spiritual GPS giving us turn by turn navigation. Now the thing about a GPS, especially on your little phone, right? On your on your little screen is that you can't really see the whole journey. You can't see the whole map. And while you're driving, you can't see the whole map. I mean, there might be even if you set it on the whole map view, depending on where you're going and how long the journey is, it's so zoomed out, it's so shrunk down, the resolution is so poor that it's functionally useless. So typically, when you use a GPS, you just see where you are and the next, you know, and the next basically what, a few hundred meters yeah. in front of you. And so the turn by turn navigation can tell you, take this exit, take this um, on ramp, turn left here, turn right there. You've all used a GPS. We don't have to explain it to you. But your internal GPS, your spiritual GPS, is giving you exactly the same guidance all the time. All of us have it. It's only a question of, do we use it? Do we turn it on? Do we plug it in? In other words, do we listen to it? Yeah. Or are we too busy listening to music <laughs> and eating our drive-through and drinking our coffee and arguing with our passenger? <laughs> and then worrying about, oh my God, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, that happens. the the road trip analogy is especially useful because here in, especially here in north america because north america was built around the automobile we, we are we are a car culture it is not so much in europe and elsewhere in the world where where it's not uh, as prevalent as it is here in the united states but everywhere you go in the world the automobile is almost a ubiquitous uh, phenomenon and people have taken long trips in cars and it is probably safe to say that everyone has gotten lost at some point. Yeah. Either as a driver or as a passenger. And you know that feeling when you've missed your exit or you're looking for your exit and all of a sudden you realize the next city is coming up and you're like, you're, you're a hundred miles off course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> Or if you're in a, or if you're, once we were driving um, in uh, in the United States, in um, in Michigan, and we ended up getting veered off course, and we got essentially lost. And we ended up in um, in uh, was it was in um, Gary. This is little this 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 industrial like some really shady seedy part of the industrial United States. And it was, 
and it was uh, we were only 20 something years old at the time. It was like it was a scary thing for us, right? We yeah. were completely lost, and we, you know, you, you get off the beaten tracks, and you end up in a neighborhood that you you really I should not be here. This is not a good place to be. Um, well, that can happen to us, obviously, in life, where we get sidetracked, we get lost, and then we, depending on our again, on many psychological factors, we might panic. We might get very afraid. We might get um, very discouraged. But just that feeling of lost. And if we're talking about our spiritual journey here, then the spiritual being lost or being off the spiritual path brings with it more than just feeling of being lost but there comes with it a feeling of abandonment a sense of being forsaken a sense of yeah. how is it possible that i could be allowed to to be lost on my spiritual quest on my spiritual journey how could you let this happen if you have that sort of personality where you you look to the heavens or you look within yourself and you you ask god like how could you how could you let this happen how could you you know Whatever yeah. happened to the poem footprints? You know, that <laughs> those pairs of footprints that, that that when there's only one pair of footprints, when I think I'm lost, no, it's then that you're being carried. Well, I'm lost right now. I don't feel like I'm being carried. Yeah. And we and we have these these are very real emotions. These are very real experiences that yeah. we have. There's no point in denying it. Yeah, sometimes it it feels fortunate that God isn't a physical being. <laughs> <laughs> because um, you do get mad sometimes. <laughs> it, it's um if any of you watch rally racing, uh the world the world rally championships and whatnot, the, the Paris Dakar rally, it doesn't matter. Any any rally racing, the that in that phenomenon you have the driver who's the driver's job is essentially to uh, keep the, the car on the road and keep it from flipping over, essentially. The, the driver really has no idea where they're going. But the driver has a navigator in the passenger seat. And the navigator's job is not only to be the GPS for the driver, but the information that the, the navigator feeds to the driver is what kind of turn is coming up. Is it a sharp left? Is it a sharp right? Is it a long, easy left? Is it a, is it a, is it a sharp, hard right? Like, the navigator is looking at the detailed map and all of his notes. And not only that, he's got a stopwatch and he's timing the intervals between all of these points on the map because the navigator's job is also to calculate how much fuel they have, that they're not going too fast, that they're burning too much fuel and they won't be able to make it to the next uh, fuel station. The navigator is doing all of this. The driver 
can only focus on keeping the car on the road and and keeping it from flipping over in other in other words the driver has to be pay attention to the navigator at all times the driver is paying attention to the road he's paying attention to what he's actually seeing and 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 actually um uh he has to uh, accommodate but the speed at which uh rally racing happens and the fact that they're going on roads that have no signs have no road signs uh he has he's completely and totally reliant on his navigator this is if you want to experience a kind of symbiotic human relationship in relations to the sharing of information and the acting on that information in no no hyperbole here at times you know life or death situation but also a highly competitive situation in a sport situation but involving cars it's, it's car racing but it's rally watching the relationship the dynamic between a navigator and a rally driver and and how they accomplish that particular sport is a phenomenon that if you can viscerally use your uh your consciousness to in your imagination and there are great youtube videos of of what takes place inside of those cars you put yourself in the back seat of those cars watching those videos and try to put yourself in that situation and feel into what's going on and what they have to deal with and how there's this relationship of absolute trust absolute faith that the driver has in his navigator and in the reverse that the navigator puts all of their trust in the driver because literally the navigator's life is in his hands so it's like this mutual relationship of trust the navigator has to trust that the driver is going to listen to him <laughs> and drive accordingly and the driver trusts that the navigator that his calculations are correct that the map is correct that all of his information is correct and that he's being fed the right information the need to know information at the precise moment that he needs to know it in order to uh deal with the challenges the obstacles and all of the the the, the twists and turns on the path on the road which is in many cases not a road dirt road gravel mud lakes rivers everything that they 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 uh have to um deal with on a rally this then is a very visceral and dramatic expression of the moment by moment 
relationship we have with our innermost, with our true self, our higher self, our innermost being and our divine mother, who we really are, our higher self is our navigator. We don't know what's coming. None of us do. If we are honest with ourselves, none of us know what's going to happen in the next two minutes, let alone in the next five minutes or 10 minutes or hour or day or week or six months or a year, let alone five years, let alone 10 years. We have no idea. We don't know. We all know that we're going to die, but we don't know when. We don't know where. We all know that we're going to die. That's maybe the one thing that we know. But just like a rally driver, they all know that their race is going to end. Sooner or later, their race is going to come to an end. But they don't know how or when or where it's going to come to an end. Is it going to come to an end when their car goes rolling head over heels, careening off the, the road into a river or into off a cliff? They don't know. Is it going to end with the engine blowing up or all four tires getting punctured or one of them dying in a crash? They don't know. Or are they going to make it from Paris all the way to Dakar, which is that famous, the Paris-Dakar rally is that famous rally. But along the way, that driver and that navigator, both of them, are focused on the next turn. Just like your GPS in your car when you're driving. If you're relying on your GPS to get you to where you're going, it's always the next turn and the next turn and the next exit and the next <clears throat> turn by turn navigation. All of us have this capacity to one degree or another. This is what people refer to as their intuition, their gut feeling. And if we don't have a strong connection if we don't hear it loud and clear, like a rally driver does, because they're wired up with a, a, a radio headset, and the navigator speaks into the microphone, into the headset, and the, the driver hears it clear as day. If we don't have that capacity, we need to develop it. In fact, one of the things that we used to do when we lived in Toronto, which is Canada's largest city, was drive around uh, to meetings and whatnot and having to get from A to B. Um, the, the traffic, of course, like all big cities around the world, can be horrendous. And especially in the summertime with all the construction, you never know what roads were closed down for construction and where the detours were. And it was just a, a nightmare. And the... And because of all this green environmental stuff, lots of roads were turned into one ways and this ways and that ways because and then they, they made all these bicycle lanes. And, and so it was starting to get very, very, very um, um, 
not friendly towards automobiles in the uh, in the in the center core of Toronto. And for a time, we were reliant on our GPS until one day, uh, the still soft boy said, "Turn off your GPS." You're not allowed to use your GPS anymore, ever again. You're cut off, forbidden, no more GPS for you. And uh, went, okay. <laughs> How exactly am I supposed to go find where I'm going now? What, am I going to be, no maps? He said, no maps, no GPS, no Google Maps, no. They're cut off. Just drive. Okay. And then I would come up and all of a sudden this the still soft voice would say, okay, turn turn here, turn left. We'd be going, turn right. Like down these really obscure side streets I've never been before, never seen before, never heard. And by by magic, I could get to anywhere I wanted to go in Toronto in record time. And I, I literally, literally was following my internal GPS. My, my innermost being was literally taking the place of, uh, of Google Maps, of, of Waze, which is, what, which is the, the, um, the GPS that I would use, uh, Waze. Google bought Waze, so now it's the same bloody thing. But, and literally... This was how one of the ways in which I exercised and I developed the capacity to receive information on a need-to-know basis in the moment that I needed to know it. Because one of the reasons why we have GPS is that nobody likes to get lost and everybody wants to have the comfort of security and the, the comfort and security of being guided. And we put our faith in the little... Uh, in the little mechanical device, the little digital device. And I was told, no, don't put your faith in that anymore. Put your faith and trust in, in me. Put your faith and trust in Atlas. And I did so. Now, can I say I was always receiving properly? Because I was like, it's this takes a lot of energy. You have to you have to be present. You have to be mindful. And sometimes it can be a little nerve wracking. You're, you're coming right up. You're driving. You're, you're right almost in the middle of the intersection and says, OK, turn left. Yeah. Um, but uh, surprisingly, with with practice, with time, it became easier, easier and easier and more fluid and more natural and just more. It just was what it was. And of course, it didn't stop when I got out of the car. Your internal GPS isn't, isn't exclusive to the act of driving. It just so happens that I was doing a lot of driving in a challenging environment, a challenging big city, et cetera. And it seemed that it seemed a good a place as any to develop 
that capacity, that ability to receive the turn-by-turn -turn directions. Yeah. And this, of course, expanded out to different sorts of directions, different sorts of information. And then it was, well, can you receive the information in real time and then share it? So the next step is that you have an internal GPS, but the next step is to be able to become the, the Siri or whatever, the voice of the GPS where you can actually speak the turn-by-turn -turn directions to others yeah. if that's part of your journey to, do, to be able to do so. And that's been, you know, a, pro, a process with us. It's been in process for years. Yeah. But again, this, on the journey of life, on your spiritual journey, what should you be doing right now? Are you on, are you on course or aren't you? There's really only one certain arbiter or certain way for you to know that. And that's to tap into that, the still soft voice, your intuition. And feel moment by moment that you're doing the right thing that you're doing that you are where you are supposed to be and that you are taking the actions that you are meant to take and that intuition our access to that intuition is developed through self-observation and through meditation And also through the elimination of ego, through the to the freeing up of consciousness. And the more you are able to connect to, tap into that internal GPS, the more you begin relying on your internal GPS, the better you will become at it. The more familiar you will be with your still soft voice, with what it sounds like, what it feels like, what that the flavor of that intuition is. And that will help you in the development of discernment between the voices in your head and the still soft voice in your heart. Because the voices in your head, rest assured, and we all know this, we all have them, they love to freak out. And they love to, to yell and scream at us. No, don't do that. Don't go this way. Don't go that way. What are you doing? Go the other way. Go, go the same way everybody else is going. What are you trying to do? And there's a million different excuses and rationalizations that the voices in the head will come up with to get us to do certain things and, and get us to not do other things. And the ability to know the difference between, let's say, if you want to stick with that GPS analogy, we have our internal GPS, but then we also have malware that's trying to hijack our internal GPS. 
those are called the voices in our head. Those are called our egos. And they're trying to lead us astray in no uncertain terms. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Egos are trying to get us lost. That is their divinely ordained purpose. So they're trying to mislead us, misguide us, cause us to fall into misjudgments. And if we do not have a strong sense of discernment, if we do not have a strong connection to our innermost higher GPS, we can be duped by the clever and subtle and insidious uh, voices of malware that, that are infecting our psychology and that are trying to hijack the GPS function. And it actually surprises me that uh, in the real world, it surprises me that hackers uh, haven't made more effort to create malware that, that uh, infects GPS on phones. Because hackers seem to be, uh, they seem to relish creating havoc and chaos. And they have hacked everything, every conceivable possible thing on computer systems. They've created uh, uh, computer viruses that do all kinds of nasty things. It just, it's just kind of amazing that they haven't done the same thing with phones. And perhaps it's because Google and Apple uh, design the operating systems to be much more robust and much more resilient to um, to this sorts of malware. That's why when you have a when you install a new app on your phone, you have all these permissions that you have to you know that that say oh you know do you want this app to be able to access this? Do you want this your app to be able to access that? That's why they have all these like different levels of permissions when you uh, um, install an app on your phone. Perhaps it's for that very reason that uh, hackers stay away from phones for the most part uh, because it's just maybe too much trouble for them. I don't know. But that's GPS. We don't always get a map of where we are and where we're going. Sometimes we can. We get a vision. and Sometimes we get an overview. And sometimes it's all very clearly defined. But very often it's not. And we have to put our faith and trust that uh, we can't see the top of the staircase. We don't know where we're going. We just have to see the next step. We can't see the whole road, the whole journey from our point of view. Nobody can do that when you're driving, right? You you can't, if you're driving from New York to Seattle, <laughs> when you're driving through Ohio, you can't see Seattle. It's just not possible. But you put your faith and trust in whatever the tools, if it's the GPS, you put your faith and trust in the GPS, that when the GPS says, take this highway, that it's taking you towards Seattle. This is the same very practical down-to-earth rubber-meets-the-road practice that we have to develop for our innermost. We can't see the end of the journey. But when our intuition tells us, do this, 
It's your choice. Yeah. But what what's your alternative? And the egos will give us an alternative. <laughs> yeah. Right? They will. Yeah. The egos, the ego mind and our and fantasy, right? Which is fantasy is the <clears throat> function of imagination, but inverted. So imagination is our capacity for visualization that's being used by the innermost being to show us something. Sometimes or very often, the our innermost being is not giving us a map. We don't have a vision or we don't know. We're not being told what our destination is. We're just being told, get in the car and drive. So the egos exploit this. They take advantage of this. The fact that our our imagination is not being used in a positive way, the egos are going to use it in a negative way. The egos are going to use it for their purposes. So they will come up, oh, he's telling you to jump in the car? He's telling you to jump? Oh, it must be because we're going here. We must be going to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Or, oh, you're going to car? Oh, we must be going to Las Vegas. Bring lots of money to gamble. Bring lots of money for uh, booze and hookers. <laughs> right? That's... That's a, now that's a again <laughs> yeah the in fact the egos are much 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 more subtle than that and in our experience you know you will find that because you don't know where you're going you're just following your gut on 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 embarking on the journey and just turn this way, turn that way, but you don't really know what the destination is or where you're going or how you're going to get there. Just observe yourself, observe your mind filling in the blanks. The mind will do this, right? Because the mind, the, the mind is always living in the future and in the past. The mind does not want to stay in the present moment. And the reason why the mind doesn't want to stay in the present moment is because the present moment is the domain of the consciousness. Because the present moment is the only thing that is real. The mind is a mechanism of unreality. The mind is an illusion. It, it, it is an illusion machine. Which is why the mind is always in the past or in the future. Think about this or meditate on this. You cannot think about the present moment. Try to apply your mind to right now. Just try. No, nope, you failed. You know why? Because by the time you've thought about the present moment, it's already in the past. So the other trick the mind does is, that, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get him this time, right? <laughs> To think about the present moment or to create the illusion of thinking about the present moment, the mind thinks a little bit ahead. And that's why so many people misinterpret, misunderstand, and actually live in a completely different reality. You speak to them and they hear something completely different. Why? Because their mind 
had already fabricated an expectation of what they were going to hear. And they're so hypnotized by their mind, they're so identified with what the mind is feeding them, so that no matter what you say to them, they do not hear the words you're saying. They are receiving and hearing only what their mind fabricated a moment or two ago about a moment or two in the future, which is now the present. Our internal GPS is always in the now. That's what's kind of, we can get premonitions, we can receive some advanced warning, but the real thing about working with the internal GPS with our, with our still soft voice is it really is in the now. So we have to be present, we have to be aware all the time because if the moment comes and it's gone, there's not a lot of wiggle room in there. If it's saying turn left, by the time by the time it says turn left, you have to turn left. You don't have three, four seconds to think about it. Should I really turn left? Really? Do you really want me to turn left? It's over. It's gone. It's the, the moment's gone. The moment's passed. You've missed the turn. That's my experience of working working with my internal GPS while driving in Toronto. I'm I'm already in the intersection, and it's a T junction. <laughs> I have to go left or right, or I'm going to end up in someone's living room. And I get the turn left while I'm already in the, in the uh, intersection. And it's a little unnerving, of course, because when you're new to this, it's going to be very unnerving. Because it's not like the GPS in your car, where it gives you plenty of advance notice. No, it's not like that. And it's get, that notice gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter precisely because we're being trained to be instantaneous with our intuition. So that because our intuition wants to become us, or wants us to become one with it, to bind together, right? Yoga, religare in Latin, yug in Sanskrit, the, the root words of yoga and religion. To bind together means to bind as one, as in marriage, as in the ties that bind. To becoming one, the, that union. Union with divinity, that is religion and yoga. So when we're working with our internal GPS, don't expect that you're going to have like all kinds of lead time that you're going to receive an intuition to do something you're like, oh yeah, okay, okay. But first I'm going to get myself to Starbucks. No, no, it's, it's not like that. <laughs> no. Right. You don't have that, that, that you cannot arrive at a place of being, of, of having that union of being bound together with your true self. If you know, you want this, 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 this rift, between when you receive the information and when you act on the information. So the there's another reason why it's that way, because if you do have that rift uh, in this in that space, your ego is going to get in the way. 
So if you do have a premonition, for example, the ego, ego mind is absolutely uh, terrible, uh, terribly notorious is a better word for subjecting its fantasy uh, creations, its its fantastical assumptions around a premonition. So you get a premonition about something that's going to happen or that might happen. And your ego takes that premonition, that intuition, and weaves this elaborate fantasy around it. Now, the ego mind does this generally all the time. Uh, It's trying to do this all the time with intuition, with information, with anything that we receive from our higher self. The ego is going to try to weave its subjective conditioned fantasies and illusions around that kernel of objective truth. Because it knows that it is much easier to feed us a bunch of malarkey if there's a kernel of truth in the middle of it than if there isn't because many of us who you know have a good uh, nose for bs we don't get duped by the ego that easily but if there's objective truth at the heart of it then the elaborate story woven around that truth it's uh, our intuition is resonating with the truth and so it, it it can feel right and that's why so many people on the internet are uh, misled so easily and so many people on the spiritual journey are, are misled so easily because even black magicians will will sprinkle a great deal of objective truth as the foundation of what they then build on top of it which is total nonsense but because its foundation is objective truth it's they're able to, to dupe many, 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 many people into believing the the fantasy that's that's uh, built on top of it, because the foundations are true, they're, they're solid, and they resonate with people. So this is another reason why, uh, generally speaking, the intuition and the moment to which the intuition applies, it gets shorter and shorter so that it gives less of an opportunity for the for the ego to squeak in and and install a fantasy as install a, a a subjective interpretation which could then color and alter our behavior color and alter our our actions or our it the ego wants to interject its beliefs so we receive an intuition and the ego immediately starts weaving beliefs and interjecting beliefs uh, about that intuition and it's trying to hypnotize us with the belief about the intuition instead of allowing us consciously to know and comprehend and allow the mind to in simplest terms receive a a unmodified unconditioned expression of the objective truth of that intuition and this is if you observe yourself this is uh something that you can observe happening and you observe you will observe this happening with other people the better you get at this level of discernment yeah 
that you will see how uh, one, one of our, well, I mean, our, in our video that we have uh, about belief, uh, we use the example of flat earth theory and how flat earth theory is, in our view, one of the best examples of how an intuition, an objective truth is used as the foundation for a completely erroneous uh, completely erroneous belief. And the objective truth is quite simple, right? Uh, neither, well, most of us, I would assume, very few of us have been into outer space. Unless you've done so in the astral plane, very few of us have traveled to, astro, to outer space. Very few of us have seen the curvature of the earth with our own eyes not through a window because that's that's their favorite thing they'd like to do is they like to uh, how how windows on uh spacecraft and the aircraft are are lenses and they distort what we see they love to say that the flat earthers so you can't trust anything you see through a window so oh and even if you had like a visor like a space helmet so you know you notice how space helmets are always curved so that's why that's why the, the earth looks round when you look at it, it doesn't look flat because it's always being shot through a lens or whatever. It's always it's always it's always just a lens trickery and lens illusion, optical illusions. So they have the ego has explanations for everything. They can rationalize away everything. So none of us have that experience where we've been to outer space or we've been so up high in the uh, the uh, atmosphere that we've been able to see the curvature of the earth with our naked eye. Um, and because that's an absolute truth that none of us can deny, none of us have that experience. The ego is able to squeak in there with that belief that's saying, you see, you don't know for sure that the earth is round. And because you don't know for sure that the earth is round, it could be flat. But not only could it be flat, it is flat. <laughs> And there's a huge conspiracy to convince you that it's not. <laughs> and they, and you know, you, I don't, I'm not good. But this is, this is how it works. This is how it works. You have an intuition. There's an objective truth. An ego uses that foundation. And all those people who resonate with flat earth theory, they resonate with it so deeply because at the, it's very hard. It's very foundation. They say, yeah, you know, I've never seen the curvature of the earth with, with the naked eye. So you can't, like, what are you going to say? But of course, if you've, if you've uh, traveled in the astral plane and uh, you've gone into space or you've flown like Superman around the earth... <laughs> Yeah, you will notice that you will have to go down at some point. Yes. If you fly straight. Yes. Um, well, uh, suffice it to say, that's one of the first things that we did when uh, we, the first, one of the first things we did after we met our Divine Mother and after we met our innermost being. Um, the third time we projecting the astral plane, it's like, okay, well, 
Um, you know, the Ubermensch, the Superman, Nietzsche. <laughs> you know, seems like a thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> we flew up into space and we flew around just like in just like in the 1970. Uh, 1978, 1979, Richard Donner movie of Superman who's flying around the Earth. Yeah, we did that a couple times. That was that was worthwhile doing. Not not exactly for fun, but but not exactly. It wasn't exactly not enjoyable. <laughs> no, exactly. I know what you mean because it requires a certain silence within ourselves in order to ascend higher and higher and then be able to fly. Um, I have not been that lucky to go that high, but... Um, well, then after that, it was like, we, we, we just looked out into outer space and went, okay, well, there's really only one place I can go next. Yeah. I have to go visit the Greys. Well... That was on another. I went to Mars. I went to go visit Samael at the uh, the Heart Temple on Mars. That was the that was the next thing I did. It's like going and flying around the Earth and flying into space was. I mean, you're not you don't sit on the ground on the Earth. You don't you're not standing on the ground on the Earth and say, "Oh, I'm going to go to Mars." You did that 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 doesn't no. that didn't occur to me, that didn't occur to me anyway. I figured stepping stones, right? Baby steps. The first yeah. baby step. Well, let me go into orbit first. Let's see if I can do. Let me see if I can do orbit first. That seemed like, like the thing to do. And once I did that, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna go visit. I'm gonna go visit Samael. And I found him uh, instructing uh, a class of monads in the Heart Temple, on uh, on Mars. And I was actually interrupted his class, and he uh, uh, he gave me shit for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, "What are you doing here? Can't you see I'm busy?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I understand. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it didn't matter. And then after that, I went to go visit the Greys. And I exhausted all of my energy going to visit their planet. I got as far as uh, uh, seeing a temple on uh, one of their planets. And uh, just very, very brief. I could only spend a very, 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 very brief period of time there. Because, I mean, with the silver cord and all that, all the rest of it, it takes, it takes energy to travel. It takes energy to travel the astral plane. And yeah. traveling to another planet. Uh, if I hadn't have done that, I probably could have spent a lot more time. Uh, if I hadn't exhausted all my energy on, on just just making it to the other the other planet. But in any case, we're uh, we're getting off on a tangent. Since we are on a tangent, we might as well uh, answer uh, take in a comment here. So Benjamin says, uh, so there's a reversed, so to speak. To the original way to union an inverted or evil form of it interesting so there's a reversed so to speak um yeah i <laughs> i don't know exactly what he's referring to but uh, when it comes to the astral travels and such we can also be pushed down uh, as well to learn the hard way how how it all works and so that we eventually get strong enough to work from there and build ourselves up the the ego the black lodge right is there to serve as a this is what he's referring to 
the uh, when we said how the voices in our head mm. wants to um, condition or take that internal GP, take the role of that internal GPS, take the role of that internal map. It wants to fill in the blank and fill in the void. The 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 egos want to be our guide. And as you said, Azazel, just a moment ago, where the egos want to guide us is into hell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Benjamin. Yeah, the part you were talking about being caught by egos. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so when we travel in the astral plane, this can happen. And that's why it is important that no one ever do something so uh, obnoxious or, or uh, uh, arrogant as going and spying on others or, you know, going and watching your girlfriend or your boyfriend and see what they're doing. And, you know, if they're having an affair or, or you know, go spy on others and whatnot, because the, des um, the desire to and it is very likely that in that moment you will be taken to the uh, the uh, the lunar astral plane, which is Klepoth. And so we must always remember that so long as we have egos, when we travel in the astral plane, we never truly know if we're in the solar astral plane or the lunar astral plane. And so uh, people who this is this has been the case where people have um spied on uh spouses or loved ones and they have uh seen them having an affair or whatever and what they were seeing was a projection of their own fears but they but because oh i saw it in the astral plane you were you were having an affair with so and so and so and so and the other person was like what are you talking about and that's because if we're in the lunar astral plane, even if we're so-called lucid dreaming, we're essentially just dreaming. We're still just dreaming. Lucid or not, it's still just a dream. It's not an accurate representation of reality. So this is coming to Benjamin's comment here about uh, an, an inverted or evil form. This is the that's all that the egos can do is hypnotize our consciousness and cause our ignorance. That is all that they can do. Everything that the egos do, including desire, getting us to identify with desires, creation of attachments, these are all egos uh, infecting, affecting our, our consciousness, subjecting it, conditioning it, and of course, feeding on our sexual energy. That's the other thing that egos do. But those two aspects, energy and consciousness, that's all that egos can affect, but that's enough. When we're, when we're on the mental plane, on the astral plane, the egos can wreak havoc with us. So that's like malware affecting our GPS. If there was such a thing, a computer virus that affected GPS, you just imagine the havoc. And some, some hackers have infected uh, traffic light systems, traffic control systems in cities, and they shut down entire cities. Because they brought entire cities to gridlock because they they created a computer virus that went in and infected the the computers that controlled the uh the city uh lights and so on okay 
coming back to road trips and travel and so on we also have signs now gps or no gps map or no map can anybody honestly say that they could ever successfully take a road trip without signs without signage where are <laughs> Not we successfully at least it would be really hard yeah now maybe maybe and and again in places in the world where perhaps signage is not so common uh you know rural roads in africa let's say or you know if they even have roads there's roads in vietnam that are notoriously some of the worst roads in the world they're always getting getting washed out by storms and storm water and whatnot surely their road signs are not the first things that are repaired when they repair the road um, and then there's the fact that you can go to countries where the, where the signs are written in a different language. Yeah. I mean, in Japan, a lot of the signs are written in, you know, katakana or, or kanji. And, and it's like, I, <laughs> I couldn't understand what the, what the signs were saying. But generally speaking, you're still looking for the signs. And generally speaking, very important signs like stop. <laughs> yeah. where you are in the world you 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 know you can generally very quickly pick up on some of the more obvious and more uh more common road signs now if you happen to be in india it doesn't really matter nobody nobody seems to pay attention to those signs but that's but that's that's another matter <laughs> road trips and signs go hand in hand and these obviously have a one-to-one -one literal relationship to our spiritual journey to our path in life in fact it's a well-worn cliche is it not you've how many characters how many people have you seen praying and pleading show me a sign give me a sign that's what we're looking for a lot of the time if we feel lost, if we feel abandoned, if we feel, uh, you know, wandering, hopeless and aimless, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we should what we should be doing or we're doing something. We don't know if we're doing the right thing. We get down on our knees and we pray to God. We say, give me a sign. It's a well-worn cliche. And these signs, the people who even who pray like this, they're not esotericists. It could just be regular religious people. So they're praying to a God that's outside of themselves. And because they're praying to a God that's outside of themselves, they're looking for a sign that's outside of themselves. And we're here to tell you that that's exactly what they'll get. We, we would get them all the time. We still get them everybody does because your individual divine mother is here orchestrating all of those external signs how often have you heard us say that the living breathing word of god is all around us well what does that mean if not that 
signs that speak directly to us are always being placed in advance of us arriving at a particular moment or they're appearing spontaneously and we're just not aware of it. The number of signs that we miss is most likely far greater than the number of signs that we see. Much in the same way that when we're driving around town, the number of traffic signals and road signs and notices and all sorts of signs, including maybe advertising, if you want to include that, right? The vast majority of those we don't pay attention to. We pay attention to the ones that we feel are important for us to pay attention to. And something similar happens on the spiritual journey where there's lots of signs that uh, um, are being thrown at us all the time and we, we miss most of them. But signs are an important component of how our innermost communicates to us. And if we're not that proficient receiving intuition or signs are a way are another way that our innermost and our divine mother can reach us because accessing intuition it's not that's also requires energy it requires effort and it's something that not everyone can sustain for a very long period of time necessarily or if someone's suffering particularly uh, from a very powerful ego or let's say you know you're suffering from depression or you're suffering from anxiety or you know you're in the grips of some ego you, you know the 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 your egos have you in their grips in those moments it's very hard to receive information from your intuition from your gut because your egos are intercepting all of that they're conditioning all of that they're filtering it out or they're filling your mind with so much noise. They're filling your heart with so much uh, noise, so much static, that it's hard to receive a clear signal from your innermost. That's where a sign comes in. Because a sign is there in the real world. And the egos, generally speaking, will allow you to function in the real world and they will they will generally speaking allow you to receive and process information through your five senses more or less unabated more or less so a well-placed sign can have an opportunity to reach you even if you're in a state where your intuition your gut is being blocked or being um, drowned out by the voices in your head 
by the negative emotionality in your heart or also the uh the hyperactivity in your physical body in your nervous system in your instinctive center in your sexual center all the places where the egos get to interfere and that's really you know you think about it as an interference pattern what they're what they're interfering with is our connection to our higher self our true self and they're obscuring that in order to create to to strengthen and, and shore up the false self that they want us to remain identified and attached identified with and attached to yeah mm -hmm. benjamin says we have to learn to identify we are separate from nature we are taught to look at nature as everything um yes that is that is true because and we've talked about this having you know the two natures of nature mechanical nature and divine nature we also have a nature we are the the meeting of the crossroads between divine nature and mechanical nature not to say that mechanical nature is not divine it's also divine but it's divine in its own in its own way and the monads of mechanical nature they exist in the fourth dimension they're not trapped here like we are we're trapped here in hell because we're fallen so the monads of mechanical nature the monads of animals and plants can leave their physical body whenever they want to the monads of rocks are not stuck inside the rock not like we are we're stuck inside these bodies the ability to leave the, the ability to project into the fourth dimension into jinn state it's very few of us have that ability or to project into the astral plane very few of us have that ability to be able to like just do it like this and that's because we're fallen we have egos that we're trapped in hell we're stuck inside these bodies and not only that we're stuck inside of these minds and these emotions we're stuck we're trapped our consciousness is trapped inside those egos but animals and plants and and rocks they're innocent they have no ego the egos that are there are only affect their physical bodies and the egos that are there work for mechanical nature doing what they need to do that's why you don't see animals and plants and rocks <laughs> behaving as atrociously as you do human beings or uh, humanity anyway intellectual animals but the obsession you would say with identifying with mechanical nature and even with identifying with the elemental spirits of nature that is a trick of the ego that is used to uh diminish uh, and again divert individuals from the true spiritual path because the human soul exists on the sixth dimension and we are not enlightened we are not awakened until we awaken in the sixth dimension also known as the causal plane what that means practically speaking is that all those people who are who talk about 5d ascension they're all just 
kidding themselves. They're all just trapped by their own ego and their mystic pride. They think that they're awake. They think that they're enlightened because they can awaken and they can travel in the astral plane. Nine times out of ten, they're traveling in the lunar astral plane anyway. Like all those people who take psychedelics. And they think they're having an existential out-of-body experience. But what they're actually experiencing are the infernal worlds. Completely subjective, completely conditioned by the entities and their own egos. That are related to that particular substance of mechanical nature. So... There are, again, coming back to this idea that Benjamin expressed earlier, that there's a, there's a reversal, there's an inverted form of signs. There's inverted, like there's signs that are, that are trying to mislead us, but those signs are either misinterpretations of our own ego mind, They're all creations of mechanical nature. They're all creations of our ego that are trying to divert us, get us lost. But more importantly, not just get us lost from our path to our higher self and our destiny, but more importantly, to lead us into hell. Basically trying to get us to Las Vegas, to, to, to use that analogy, right? Mm. Or what the, what the equivalent is in Europe, I don't know. The red light <laughs> district in Amsterdam? Um... <laughs> I would guess Estonia or something. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get us to Ukraine. Um, what <laughs> yeah. the, the, the situation is there. Um, so, yeah. So, but how do we know that something is a sign? And how do we know it's a positive sign or a negative sign? Or how do we know that? Well, the thing about a sign is that It is, it can take any form, honestly. There's no limit to what qualifies as a sign. The challenge is, of course, as always, it's discernment. It comes down to our ability to check in with ourselves and, and receive an intuitive nudge. And sometimes that nudge simply is, hey, pay attention. Look at that. Look at this. This is important. The intuition will be that subtle. Just look. Just look at that. Just look. Just read. Just take it in. And if we if we do so, if we follow that intuition, we take in that sign. There's no guarantee that we'll go, oh, wow, and we'll have this revelation or whatever that the sign was trying to tell us. But... The fact that we listen to the intuition and we, when we're and we focused our gaze, we focused our attention on the object that we were being told to look at and pay attention to and consider. If we do that mindfully, consciously, and we pay, when we do actually pay attention to it, not with our rational mind but our 
supernal mind, our uber mind, our meta mind, our manas, divine mind, consciousness. Doesn't matter what you call it, but you're not looking at it with your rational mind anymore. You're looking at it from that higher place because you were told to look at it from this higher place. And if you can maintain that just long enough to receive the message, then you will get the sign. You will get the message. And you will recognize it for it, it being a sign. Even you might not know exactly what it means, but you'll know that it's important. And maybe it's enough in that moment to know it's important. So you will remember it. You will take it and you will you will file it away in your memory as this is important. And later on, you will contemplate it. You will meditate on it. And in that meditation, hopefully, it will lead you to a greater realization. We have had so many uh, experiences of signs that we don't even know, like, really where to begin. Um, When we got off the train in a little town called Uji, where we were staying to, uh, to, uh, to teach English in Japan, when we first got off the train, after our 27 hours of travel time from Canada, and we had all our luggage with us, and we were pulling it out of the train station and everything, and we, we took in the whole scenery. There's Uji Temple and Uji Shrine. There was the 13-tier pagoda on an island in the middle of Uji River. You know, the forested mountains going up the one side. It was like it was like a watercolor, like one of those classic Japanese watercolors. It was just absolutely um, picturesque, Japanese fairy tale like. And then there was a man in hip waders fishing in the river. And then high above, there was a family of hawks circling. Who were likewise fishing, perhaps even waiting to steal a fish <laughs> from the fishermen down below. And we took all of this in. And this this picture, this postcard, in that moment, and it just synthesized in us. And in that moment, we knew that reincarnation was a real phenomenon. In that instant, we became a Buddhist. In that moment, that instant, we knew that we had lived here before. And this is where we first found enlightenment. That's probably, that's an example of a very profound sign. And you might even say that that's, that's, that probably goes a little bit further than a sign, but, you know, but it's a sign that we, you know, traveled ha halfway around the world to experience. And our whole time in Japan was just one sign after another, after another, after another. Like the time when we were called to go out in the middle of a, uh, of a typhoon. And we went out on a mountain bike. We went mountain biking in the middle of a typhoon and we went up those forested mountains on the other side of the river in the middle of a typhoon mind you you're following the still soft voice 
This is, again, a very extreme example of being called to go look at a sign. But we were being called to go look at a sign. And it took us however long it took us to, through this typhoon until eventually we had to ditch our mountain bike because the path ended and was replaced by an ancient stone staircase going to the top of the mountain. And we went to the top of the mountain and we found uh, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, the Buddha Shakyamuni riding side saddle on the back of a deer. It was a life-size bronze statue. There's only three statues of this in the world, of the Buddha riding side saddle on a deer, and one is in Uji, top of this mountain. And we were told to go find this sign in the middle of a in the middle of a typhoon. These are extreme examples. A not so extreme example. We were riding on the subway once in Toronto. We sat down and we glanced up at the nobody was sitting in the, well there's two people sitting in the seats uh, across from us and above them there was an, an advertisement well you know they have advertisements on subways and such we looked up and there was an advertisement for gillette deodorant underarm deodorant and they had whatever slogan they had on the on that uh on that ad i can't even remember what the what the what the message was but in the moment, I knew that that's exactly what I needed to hear because I was actually going to uh, visit my girlfriend at the, at the time. And this Gillette ad gave, it gave me exactly the advice that I needed for the encounter that was to come, that I was on the subway traveling to have that encounter and the exact it was like it was like jordan peterson had written the advert advertisement for me <laughs> yeah right and it was like and i just knew it i said yeah that's exactly what i needed to hear so and again that's uh in toronto walking to work one day when with this the the same troublesome uh partner we've had lots of interesting encounters with interesting uh women because because of our nature because of the nature of of our psychological makeup and what we deal with we attract people who are energetically matched mm. yes yeah, so, so well as a result we we meet with some interesting and troubled people as we were troubled at that time as well. So, uh, we were walking to work and uh, there was a streetcar or a tram that had recently been, um, well, recently, they had upgraded it and they had re rebuilt the, the tramway and they had these um, concrete uh, curbs and someone had carved not carved into the concrete but used wooden block letters to spell out in the concrete 
which had then set and had set for at least five years. So someone had put this message deliberately into this concrete randomly on uh, St. Clair Avenue between, because I used to walk, I would walk to work and, and I would I walk past this I, I, and somebody told me, you know, directed my glance, directed my gaze and, and I do not fear the forces, something of, of, of um, something of the creatures of nature or something like that. And, and it was exactly, exactly related to this new relationship and this new woman who I encountered and the fear that she was triggering inside of me. This was, this was, I mean, many, many years ago now. So long before I knew the things about myself, which I know now. Yeah, and it's so, thanks to them as well. Well, exactly, right? And so, but, but this sign, this was a sign that was set into concrete years before I would be living in that neighborhood. And it was exactly what I needed to, to hear in that pinnacle turning point in my life. And so... Again, it's a matter of uh, allowing ourselves to have our gaze directed and and always trying to pay attention and be mindful of what we're looking at and why we're being told to look at it. This is the key to receiving signs, because we can be we can be receiving signs all the time, not only just the ones that we pray for and. If we're asking for, you know, sign with the, you know, the clouds to open and sun to come beaming through or whatever, the signs aren't necessarily going to be like that. And yes, sometimes you might have very profound earth shattering, you know, signs given to you, but very often they come in much more mundane, uh, everyday sort of boring ways like, you know, words carved into concrete uh, yeah. on the side of the road. Um, Azaziel, do you have any signs that you want to share? Do you, can you have an experience that you want to share? Or... Uh, I have quite a lot of them as well. I mean, it's hard to count on the fingers. <laughs> but... No, um, um, Pick it's even harder me. to find a sign that it's relevant so to speak um but i can say one thing and that would be that uh, most of those signs have been quite severe um sometimes it's positive but most of them have been severe um like well i can share this experience perhaps like 10 years ago um when I was in school, mm -hmm. um, there was a girl who didn't go to my class. And um, I haven't met her physically before uh, and so on. And um, at the by the end of 
my school time, um, I received a message on Facebook uh, from her. And um, she said, hello, how are you? And all, <laughs> what are you doing? And all those kinds of things. And I was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and she explained that um, she went to a, another class on the same floor as me. Um, and um, yeah, just wanted to ask me a few questions like, what do you think of humanity? <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> and and that was uh, one of those signs because if you ever get asked that question you know it's quite a revealing question to answer you uh to use some uh, uh mundane vernacular uh, she's a keeper yeah <laughs> if someone asks you that question they're a keeper they're they're worth your time yeah they they are worth uh, our time um so so that that's uh it's serendipitous that you shared a story like that because there is another category that i that we didn't mention in the uh in the graphic for the live stream we didn't mention it um and that is stopping for directions you take a road trip, you know, because men don't like to stop for directions. Women, women like to stop for directions. Men don't like yeah. to stop for directions. <laughs> but it's a it's a kind of sign when we receive we 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 receive directions from other people. On the spiritual journey, it's a kind of sign. So in your case, in meeting that individual and and her saying what you did or asking what you did that to you was a sign but it came from a it came from an individual there was there was another individual there's another monad involved another another soul another being was involved another divine mother was involved yeah not just your divine mother and very often we can receive guidance from our innermost spoken to us through other people this is important because again it comes back to this situation of if our internal gps <clears throat> is malfunctioning it's we the interference prevents us from accessing it that's probably the best analogy to, to say if there's interference and our our internal GPS can't connect to the satellite, it can't give us directions because there's 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 too much interference. Uh, we don't have GPS coverage. We don't have cell coverage in that area. However you want to think about it, but but our GPS is on the fritz. Well, it's another way that we have to rely on when we're on the road trip. We have to look for signs or we have to stop for directions. And the spiritual journey, it's the same. Only the difference is, is that our navigator 
who normally sends us signals, turn-by-turn -turn directions through our radio headset or through our GPS, but there's interference, he can't do that. Our navigator will proactively set signs or send people with directions to us. And these people act as signs. They, they point the way. They, wa they wave us, they flag us down. They say, hey, you lost? Where are you going? Go this way. Right? And once again, it's a matter of being aware and paying attention to who this who this person is, why why they showed up, why they're saying what they're saying. And if it's a random person who shows up and starts talking things, whoa, like <laughs> you would you wouldn't expect that from a random person, then you know they're not a random person at all. Yeah. Or they say something like, that's very insightful, or that's very serendipitous, or how did you know I was going through this right now? And they'll say, what? I didn't know anything. Yeah, or how they even found us. <laughs> or how they even, well, how they even found you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, we again, like, like as Azul says, we could tell you stories. We could, we could talk about this for, for yeah, hours and hours and hours. But yeah. um, again, this falls into that category of, of ways in which our, our internal navigator, who is absolutely essential on the spiritual journey, just like in rally racing, right? Rally racing is a dangerous life or death sport, as is our spiritual path. There are major consequences for, you know, for, for screwing up. So if our navigator gets cut off from us due to interference, due to, due to static, and we don't, you know, we can't, we can't hear their, their trusting voice in our ear telling us easy left, hard right, you know, long sloping right, jump, you know, uh, you know. That, if we don't have that information as a rally driver, we're, that's really scary. Yeah, because you're going 120 kilometers an hour down this dirt road and God only knows where or down these like narrow European lanes and streets. And like, like and it's like at any given moment, you could be coming up against who knows what and you don't know what you're coming up against. And without that, without that navigation, that real time navigation, you really are like flying blind. Yeah, it would be like, again, another way to think about it would be like a, a modern pilot without a co-pilot or without his instrument clusters feeding him the, the information that he needs to be able to fly the plane. He's, he's what we call flying blind. So in those cases, our internal co-pilot, our internal navigator will work through our divine mother and the divine mother of others to show up to be at the right place in the right time to give us a sign, to point us in the right direction. This was beautifully allegorized in uh, Man of Steel when uh, Clark goes on the journey to find himself, 
and he goes north into the Arctic, and he eventually finds this crashed uh, craft frozen in ice. And uh, he goes and he puts in his his family key, his house key, and and um, Russell Crowe's character, his father, Jarrell, um, a a a hologram, I guess, some projection of Jarrell's consciousness appears. Um, actually, it was later in the movie that what I'm thinking of is when um, when Amy Adams. Uh, uh, Lois Lois Lane, uh, she needs to get into the ship, and she puts the 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 key in the ship, and then Russell Crowe's character appears, and he starts saying, "You need to get to here and here, and I can guide you." And she's running through the ship, and he just appears, and he's like pointing in this direction or pointing in that direction, and he's guiding her. Um, either way, uh, Russell Crowe appears to guide Clark Kent and to help him become Superman. People can arrive and they are for us in those moments like guardian angels. They're delivering us the voice of God. There's that old expression about looking a gift horse in the mouth. We must never take for granted what other people tell us, especially related to our spiritual journey or something that we might be working on. If we're working on some kind of a project that's a, it's a project of the heart that we know we need to be doing, we know we're here to do, and, and people start giving advice about it, we, we must always consider what they're saying carefully, openly, and objectively, because it may be that we're, we, we might be so focused on what we're doing or, or we might be that we are like blocking out essential information. We can't see the forest for the trees. And we need, we need this other information that we, we've, we've closed ourselves off to because of our focus and our concentration has narrowed our range of consciousness. Sometimes it's precisely someone else who can come in and give us this other perspective that we're not receiving, that's being obscured. And we ourselves are obscuring it through our intense focus and intention of our consciousness on this very narrow thing that we're working on. I'll give you a very real example of that in just a moment. But first, Benjamin says, from what I read in an excerpt from Master Samael Amoyor, ordinary humanity is living like a robot because they discard the data that nature has deposited in the brain for their own guidance because our present environment is an Asconiano environment, as it is said in the sacred language. Yeah, that word comes from um Gurdjieff, if i'm not mistaken but it is it's in the, uh, the it's in the language of absolute that environment of pretentious and false wisdom and superficial cultures etc which is unfavorable for the development of the germs of objective reason asconiano 
practically speak that's true and that's most of the people are asleep most of the people are robotic and mechanical and go through lives and again it's their egos that are causing them to act and react uh as they go through life We don't know what book you read that from, but the uh, discard the data that nature has deposited in the brain for their own guidance. Um, okay, fair enough. The information that our innermost, our divine nature has given to us as deposited into our mind. Um, Perhaps it was something in the translation. Perhaps it was just, you know, Master Samael wrote 60 books over a very long period of time. We always like to emphasize how um, before his disincarnation, he told his disciples that they really only need to focus on four or five of his books. So he wrote a lot. He wrote a lot outside of the, outside of the threshold of those four or five. And he made, he made many mistakes. He wrote many things that later... I say recanted or or um, one of the reasons why in our live streams we focus. Um, Benjamin says it is an excerpt from the lecture, particularities of objective reason, Mexico City. Oh, we haven't read it, so we'll take your word for it. Um, and if it was a lecture, Mexico City then we also have to recognize that he was using language that he felt appropriate for the audience that he was speaking to. And in his day, just as today, the general consensus was that the mind was in the brain. So he probably might, could very easily have used that word brain. And instead of saying divine, he would have said nature because if he had to keep it secular, or he had to like ease the audience into uh, a discussion of metaphysical or divine nature, then he would have chosen to use words and language that, that, that can basically take a modern contemporary secular audience and take them by the hand and handhold them slowly, step by step by step, easing them into some of the deeper esoteric topics, which quite frankly, the vast majority of people are simply not ready to hear. They don't have the capacity to even begin to understand it. Uh, and so they have to be given some sort of a stepping stone, some sort of an option for, for them to be able to grasp in some capacity uh, and, uh, and open the door to... to um, more intricate and deeper explorations of the subject matter. So coming back to trying to bring synthesis to this whole topic, we promised you a case study, a very practical, meaningful case study and the inspiration for today's live stream. And that was an experience of ours last week and 
<clears throat> it relates to this video that we've been working on. Now, we have a close friend of ours uh, who is a graphic designer and an artist and an animator, and we, we've known him since childhood. Uh, he's been a childhood friend, and we often share with him some of our struggles or, or, or progress or lack thereof on our, on our work, especially when that work is of a visual narrative uh you know technical nature like a video is so he's very well versed in the challenges that we've been facing with this with this video especially related to its length and we were on the phone with him last week early last week and he said well have you considered dividing it into chunks we told him, I said, it's, it's, it's too long. It's, we, we can't get it under 10 minutes, let alone five. And he said, well, have you, have you, have you considered like chunking it? And something in us snapped. And it was, well, we know who it was. We know what it was. It was that thing that was desperate to control everything, right? It was the, it was fear. But of course, it snapped in anger. It expressed as anger. And we went on a bit of a tirade uh, and we berated our friend because he's he's been on our case for a long time now about how our videos are too long and we have to make them shorter because people don't have attention spans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's always on about this because he watches a lot of um, experts in the uh, social media space, et cetera. And he listens to their seminars and he listens to their podcasts. He's, uh, you know, he tries to stay up to speed on the best practices in those areas. And so uh, we kind of took out our frustration on him saying, just get off our case about it. You know, it's like, of course we've thought about it. We thought of everything. We thought about everything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We just went on a tirade and was, was quite um, was quite unpleasant for him, and it was quite certainly equally. Yeah, if not more. <laughs> and then, ah, that's you know what we we got over it, we got past it, finished the rest of the conversation. We changed the topic, finished the rest of the conversation. Friday came along, and Friday morning. We had a very, very productive morning. And Friday morning was revealed to us part three of the video. It needs to be its own section formatted exactly the same way as the first two parts were formatted. Because I already had part one and part two of the video. The video about the human condition. Part one related to the word human. Part two related to the word condition. And up until that point, I believed because I thought, right, my mind had had imposed its own map, its own vision, its own belief. Intuitively, I knew that the video has to be in separate parts. But I was still constrained 
by this idea of one video. And the mind had had expressed or uh, uh, imposed its vision, its belief on that the conclusion to the video is just going to be tacked on to part two. And then Friday was revealed to me, no, the conclusion of your video is part three. You are writing a three-act play. It's a film in three acts. And so the final act deserves the same treatment as the first two acts. The same structure, the same treatment, the same tropes, the same vis visual language. And when I timed it all out, each one of those parts can come in at roughly five minutes. So my original intuition of a five-minute video and what my friend was suggesting, five-minute video, and why he suggested to chunk it into, into parts was correct. In fact, I was already doing it that way. I had already done parts one and two that way. I just didn't realize that's, that's what I was doing because my mind, my beliefs, my fear, my, my desire to control was getting in the way. But I was following my turn-by-turn -turn navigation. It's just my mind was, was, was casting shadows into the future about where we were headed, about where we were going, about what the final product was going to be. And I was getting no internal guidance on that. I was only getting internal turn-by-turn -turn navigation. But a third party came my very good friend my best friend came to be a sign to be a voice for me because because of this situation this relationship that i was with was so focused and so concentrated and so um funneled into this hardwired hard-coded idea about what i was creating which was hard-coded into well human condition human condition two parts two part video it, it I, I couldn't see the forest for the trees i couldn't get the no you need a you need a part three and my friend planted the seed earlier in the week but it was revealed to me and just unfolded in on that friday morning so that afternoon i called him to apologize and i told him that he was right I told him that not only should I have listened to him, I not, not only did he not deserve the rant that I that I went on, but that uh, that uh, his his suggestion is actually the solution that I had been working towards the whole time. This video that we've been working on, we've been working on it since March. And it took us a month to uh, get over over uh, what you, 40 pages of written voiceover, of written dialogue, basically, and over 80 slides, complete slides, PowerPoint slides, to go along with those 40 pages of explanation. And we did that in one month. The entire month of uh, March to March to April. So from April to now, that's been what? April, May, June, 
April, May, June, July, August, September, and now almost to the end of October. Si at least six months, six and a half months. Whittling that down to basically six pages. Um, three, three videos of two pages each. And basically what's going to end up being three five-minute videos, which I will also cut together into a 15-minute version. And then once that is complete, I'll be able to select out just the absolute essential slides and information and cut a single, what we call TLDW version or too, too long didn't watch version. So a single five-minute video. But the three-part version will also be five-minute video. So part one of two, two of two, and three of three. Well, each one of those will be roughly five minutes, give or take. So you see, I had the intuition of what it needed to be. And my friend was acting on his intuition of what it needed to be. But I was not given the, the, the roadmap in that sense. The first month, I was given many of the sights and sounds and the points of interest that we have to see along the way, along the route. Yeah, it takes time. And I knew generally where we were going, what the destination was going to be. But the actual real route only unfolded via the turn-by-turn -turn internal GPS, or to use the road map, uh, to use the uh, road trip analogy, the turn-by-turn -turn GPS. But the ego comes along, and the ego starts creating attachments to things and identifications with things. Oh, okay, this is must be where we're going, and it's got to look like this, and it's got to be like this. And the intuition of it's got to be five minutes suddenly becomes a sword of Damocles hanging over our head. Oh, if you don't get it under five minutes. <laughs> and so this whole topic we're sharing with you today because we've been living this since March because this video is an absolute essential cornerstone, foundation stone for the Atlas project and our the whole of our life's work moving forward. This, this thing that we are working on, we have to get this right. And we will get it right. But our ego, our, our demon of fear and of control has been taking every opportunity to exploit the importance of this project to get us to, 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 to interfere with our turn-by-turn -turn GPS and interfere with our capacity to hear the signs when we receive them, even from our best friend. Signs and internal GPS and maps and visions and, and all the rest of it, right? It's not always just, you know, lightning and clouds and you know sunbeams and rainbows and unicorns it can be a very messy sloppy enterprise 
go and watch some rally racing to see what a messy and sloppy and imperfect exercise it is for a driver and a navigator <laughs> to, 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 to go on the, you know, to make the race that they're to go on the journey that they're going on. And this experience this week, uh, we just felt that we wanted to share it with you and the different aspects, all the different aspects, map, GPS, signs, directions, all of it came into play and synthesized in the unfolding of our journey, our spiritual journey related to this video, this video, which is going to be a, a summary explanation of the whole of the human condition and meaning of life in a way that even a child can understand it in 15 minutes. And there will be a five minute version as well, but, but to be fair, in three five-minute videos and so a 15-minute explanation for the whole of the human condition and its meaning it's the the meaning of life it's 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 meaning our purpose it's never been it's never been attempted before the closest thing that we can think of that anybody's ever actually come close to achieving it is uh is hamlet's speech the to be or not to be speech. But guess what? Nobody understands what that means. Everybody thinks that Hamlet is talking about committing suicide. Nobody gets it. And the 10,000 years of, of, of uh, recorded human history, give or take, no one has been able to synthesize into a, into a form that... Uh, well, that's what we were attempting to do, and that's why it's taking so long. And, and along the way, it's affording us the types of experiences, the types of learning opportunity that are not happening by accident, and they're not happening just for our benefit. They're happening for your benefit. Because this entire live stream and the ability for you to relate your own journey to very practical, real, tangible, and easy to understand uh, analogies. You've been on a road trip. Go and watch some rally driving, some rally racing. Watch the relationship between navigator and driver. Listen to them. Listen to them talk to each other. Listen to them talk about their job. <clears throat> or you going on a road trip and with someone who plays the roles of navigator for you or you and your GPS, whatever. You now have these analogies. You have a way for you to contextualize and understand better the spiritual journey and that all of these tools have their analogous phenomena inside of you. And that by developing following your nose following in your gut is the way 
to develop and observe yourself and meditate to to increase the bandwidth to increase your connection to these capacities reconnect with your internal navigator that's the key and remember that you don't need a map the rally driver doesn't have a map he's not looking at a map he's listening to his navigator sometimes we're not given sometimes we're not given a map or the map is a very rough map it's a very vague map it says yeah i'm here i want to get there and yeah there's a lot of stuff between here and there <laughs> but the internal turn by turn navigation that's what matters and just like your gps that internal if you do get lost if you do get veered off the track the gps will re recalculate and recalculate a new route a new navigation to get you back on track to get you back on the right road as it did me this week monday when i was losing my patience and losing my temper with my friend and all my frustrations about how i'm never going to get this video down to five minutes it's 10 minutes how am i going to get this down to five minutes and then he says well why don't you chunk it and all i heard my ego mind interfered and heard that why don't you chunk it and i and he said like why do you keep pressuring me to get this shorter and shorter why are you adding to my frustration why are you making things more difficult for me why are you right it was it was all of these rational rationalizations and judgments and all of this frustration that i really was feeling in myself because i had i had my ego had attached itself it had exploited this five minute mark to use it as a weapon against me as a, as a means to cause me suffering and frustration and to agonize over that five minute limit and now my friend was coming and saying well why don't you do this and why do you do that why don't you change the makeup of the whole thing just so you can get this the five minutes you know it was it was the straw that broke the camel's back but all of that was ego illusion in fact the whole time i was working towards three five minute videos the whole time i had been working towards it i was following the turn by turn navigation i just didn't realize that's where it was taking me and i wouldn't realize it for another four days but then i would arrive and then i would see in the distance ah there's where we're going and my friend who was giving me directions there was 100 percent right the sign i received was correct i was not in a position i was not in the right to tell him no to tell him he was wrong and tell him to get off my back that was ego that was fear that was control doing the talking so again sharing this with you that's why our you know the channel is called atlas information because as many as many people have said in the past the spiritual journey is not about the destination spirituality is not about the destination it's about the journey and we've you know we've we've taken the risk we we we're on here we're sharing the our imperfect nature and our stumbling along the way and how we too 
fumble and stumble and trip and fall. And just like all of us, we get lost on that road trip. We get punctured tires. We run out of gas. We get hungry. Uh, and I got to stop at the, the, you know, the, the, the rest stop. And then we eat something that, that, uh, that, oh, um, sours our stomach. And then the rest of the trip, we're stopping at every gas station to use the toilet, right? It happens. It happens. And it happens on the spiritual journey. And it happens to us, just like it happens to everybody else. Because the adversary is clever and subtle. And depending on our level and depending on the mountain that we're here to climb, maybe even very, very, very clever and very, very, very subtle and very, very, very powerful. And we might think that we know our adversary, but our adversary knows us. <laughs> okay, that's the thing about playing chess. You might think you know your opponent well, but that, that opponent's been playing that match with you just as long as you've been playing with them. And they've yeah. seen all of your tricks and tactics just like you've watched theirs. Yeah. Through the adversary all... is always matched mano a mano. We're always, you know, it's always a challenge. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what level we're at. Um, there's always going to be, and if you want to use a football analogy, right? I'm American football. The opposing team is always going to have players who are running interference. <laughs> yeah. That's an actual term from American football. Yeah. Right? Running interference. Their whole their, their whole job on that field is to basically screw with the quarterback and screw with the, uh, the the wide receivers and whatnot to try to intercept the ball or get them to drop the ball or miss the pass or in other words running interference yeah. running interference or interfering with the defense or interfering with the offense it's a whole key of American football American football is very tactical and strategic not like not like uh, soccer not like European not like uh, world football. Yeah, so the adversary is basically like the team's coach who watches all of their games, analyzes them, and yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the players do not do that. So, yeah. No. Well, the players learn the plays. Yeah, they do. But you're right. But it's the coach and the, the, uh, the management who, who, before a game, they go and they study footage they study uh, videos of the team that they're about to play especially before super bowl they will study the entire season so if uh so if a team is playing the uh san francisco 49ers they will study all the video of all the games that the 49ers played that season and they will try to learn all of their plays all of their tactics all of their strategies the average and, and a smart chess player does the same thing. The grandmasters, uh, before they go to the world championships, <clears throat> they figure out who they're going to be playing. And then they, they work with their coaches to go and study the games, the openings that they use, the middle games, the end games. What, what pieces do they like to use? What, what strategies, tactics do they like to use? Because everybody has a preference. Yeah. When, uh, you know, when you do these things. And our adversary is no different. Our adversary is studying us, just like we're trying to study them because it's a them our adversary um <clears throat> is there anything else that you can think of about taking a trip taking a road trip um 
the only other thing that because one of the things that we did mention in the in the in the graphic for the for the uh for the live stream was gut right nose follow your nose follow your gut this is something that um whenever we're traveling we always try to do is keep ourselves open to discovery because lots of times if if we're not one of these planning types we don't like we know there are people in our family for example who are who are planners hmm. and they they plan everything their entire lives are planned out in advance we don't like that for the very reason that we it, it's it's hard to follow your internal gps it's hard to listen to your internal gps when you already have mapped everything out and you yeah. decided where you're going to go when you're going to go so you're 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 on this journey and you're saying okay you're, you're trying to keep to a schedule and everything and then all of a sudden someone says oh i heard about this we really need to go see this these locals said oh we shouldn't we shouldn't pass this up and now you have an ego conflict because you're like, oh no, but my schedule says we have to be here at this hour and there at that hour. And, and if we're not there at that hour, we'll miss a taxi and then we won't be back there and blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, this is the problem with plans and planning <clears throat> and, and having everything mapped out and planned out to the letter, to the last node, because then you're not open to to serendipity and discovery and 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 all sorts of you know you you happen to run into somebody right you're on a road trip and you happen to run into a a friend from high school that you haven't seen in 20 years they just happen to be passing through and the same um the same diner that you decided to stop at to get gas and get get some food and they just happen to be passing through. You haven't seen them in 20 years. What are you going to do? Say to them, oh, no, I, I, you know, I'd love to sit and chat, but I can't because I got to go because I'm on a schedule and da, da, da. No, sit and have and sit, spend half an hour with them. Yeah. Or whatever. There's a million, million possibilities, especially when you're traveling. There's always someone to say, oh, did you see the uh, such and such down the road? Like, well, I'm on my way to, you know, so-and-so. Oh, yeah, but it's on your way. Only, it's only 15, maybe 20 minutes out of your way. You go up here, you go there, you get to see that. It's really beautiful this time of year. Take some pictures, and then you can go back to the highway and keep going. Yeah. It's no big deal. So, so this is, think about, <laughs> it would be interesting, you know, to watch, uh, have you ever seen uh, National Lampoon's Vacation? Do you know what I'm talking about? With Chevy uh, Which one? The movie's called National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, no, I haven't seen it's it. It's from the 80s. Uh, Chevy Chase uh, takes his family on a road trip to Wally World. Oh. It's a, it's, it's a euphemism for Disneyland, Disney World. Yeah. And they go on this road trip across the United States. And... It's it's all of the calamities that happened to him and his this family yeah. going on this road trip. It's all, all it's all the nightmarish uh, uh, circumstances that happen to them, but they're also hilarious yeah. circumstances too. Um, 
I guess you could watch even a movie like Hangover movies just to see what happens if you do not listen to your navigator. <laughs> or uh, Mr. Bean's Holiday. Yeah, Bean's <laughs> yeah holiday. exactly. Um, that would be more fun. Um, there's. It would be interesting to watch some of these comedies through the lens of what we just talked about today because um, having a sense of humor about things is uh, very healthy on the spiritual journey. Yeah. Um, not taking ourselves too seriously is very helpful because yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to not take your spiritual journey seriously you your spiritual journey is you want to take it seriously but you don't want to take yourself too seriously no <laughs> like Remember, that video mid- you sent us the, the middle way right the middle yeah. way yeah and and so yeah watching any of these these uh, road trip comedy movies uh, but then there's also a movie like Thelma and Louise yeah which is also a kind of a road trip movie but it's a it's a i guess a and then there's driving miss daisy with uh, morgan freeman and jessica tandy which yeah. uh was uh, released in the late 80s or yeah late 80s and uh it won the academy award for best picture and uh best supporting actor and uh, that's also a road trip movie. Yeah. And then there's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a road trip movie. All quests, all journeys qualify. You really think about it. It's just Lord of the Rings is very specific because they know we're going to Mordor. <laughs> they know yeah. exactly where they're going. <laughs> but they don't know how they're going to get there. Yeah. In fact, even Frodo says we're we're going to more. Uh, he uh, at, in the uh, the council of uh, Lord Elrond in Rivendell. Everybody's arguing with each other over the ring, over what they're going to do with the ring. And Frodo stands up and he says, "I will take the ring to Mordor," and he, and and nobody hears him. And he has to speak up. "I will take the ring to Mordor," and then the, nobody hears him. And he's and, and he has to shout, "I will take the ring to Mordor," and everybody hushes up yeah he says i will take the ring to mordor only i don't know the way (laughs) (laughs) it's a beautiful scene yeah and 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 that and and sam and frodo's journey and this is another interesting important aspect (laughs) sometimes we will have to leave companions behind yeah because there's that is that scene uh, in Lord of the Rings where um, Sam and uh, Frodo, decide he has to leave the fellowship behind. Yeah. <clears throat> and Sam says, yes, I know you do. And I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, he say, Frodo says, I have to do this alone, Sam. 
And he says, Sam says, yes, I know you do, Mr. Frodo. And I'm coming with you. <laughs> um, but again, this brings us back to the rally racing. You can't do rally racing without a navigator. And a navigator can't do rally racing without a driver. The navigator has the information. The navigator knows where they're going and how to get there. And all of the obstacles and all of the challenges that they're going to face. The navigator has that information. Not the driver, the navigator. But the driver has his hands on the wheel. And the shifter. And the gas pedal and the brake. This is the relationship between innermost being and the human soul and the physical vehicle. There are levels and levels and levels and levels to comprehending the reason why we chose road trip as our analogy here. Because you and I, we're just a physical vehicle for our inner navigator yeah and our human soul our consciousness that aspect of of our true self of our monad is the driver and everything else is trying to cause interference and trying to cut us off from our navigator and tell us to no take it into your own hands do your own thing you know go your own way but all of that do what i want to do i want to do what i want to do the driver says i don't want to go to dakar who cares about dakar i don't want to go to paris whatever who cares i want to go and do my own thing all of that is an illusion all of that is just ego yeah but the car is a powerful analogy because it's a vehicle but like Sam and Frodo, it can't. Frodo needs Sam. Sam is the physical body, the mind, the emotions, the strength. Frodo is the innermost who carries the burden of the ring. He is the master of the precious, Gollum says, the Sme Smeagol. Yeah. Says of Frodo. Yes, Smeagol swears. Smeagol swears to serve the master of the precious. But we all know that Smeagol is enslaved by the precious, is enslaved by Gollum. So there you have those three personifications of the divine soul, the innermost, the innermost being, the human soul, the the and the the physical body and then the ego that's pretending to lead them in the right direction but Gollum is leading them to um shelob shelob the spider the spider yeah. right um you know Every one of these stories 
every one of these analogies, every one of these, all of it is trying to get us to look at ourselves and see ourselves and our own spiritual journey, our own life's journey. And in a very real sense, you can look at all those 6,500, 6,500 mythologies and fairy tales and legends and folklore and scriptures that Joseph Campbell studied in The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And you can comprehend that every single last one of those 6,500 stories were all attempting to do one thing and one thing alone to share with us the general conceptual archetypal map of every single last one of our spiritual journeys every single one of those uh, heroes journeys in every film and and movie and everything you've ever seen be it star wars star trek it doesn't matter Mahabharata, Bhagavad Gita, the New Testament, Old Testament, Epic of Gilgamesh, Story of Noah, Story of Job, the Arthurian legends, the Ring Cycle by Wagner, you know, all the Shakespearean plays, on and on and on and on, the fairy tales, the folklores, the legends, all of them are just trying to help you prepare for be prepared for and to comprehend the nature of your own spiritual journey yeah benjamin says yes man is not born to cry not sure in what reference we cry all the time tears of joy uh that is true he says jesus also was guided by his father in heaven which is why he said, for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, who gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. John 29. Okay, there you go. Very apropos to what we were saying earlier about getting to a point where you become the loudspeaker for your internal GPS. And you are able to, as Benjamin expressed here, you, you recognize that you are a servant, like what we've said uh, about Lumiere and Beauty and the Beast, and that uh, he has a song, Be Our Guest. Yeah. And there's that lyric in that song, life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. And... Uh, Oh, where? There we go. And there's Lumiere. Right? That's one of our memes that you surely have seen. And how the whole castle is derelict and dead and fallen into disrepair. The beast is in hibernation, angry and frustrated and miserable and bitter. And the beauty enters the castle. Belle, her name means beauty. 
and all of a sudden all of the faculties come to life and the animal comes alive and all of a sudden it's all about serving the beauty and lumiere he's got he's a he's a candelabra he's a uh, he's a um uh is it it's menorah right the jewish candle with all the the candle holder with all is it it's 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 the yeah we like the menorah it's the menorah but now he's three right so it's it's yeah. reduced but it's still a trinity right brahma vishnu shiva father son holy spirit that's the light that's lumiere but he's a servant of the light he serves beauty be our guest and that that's the perfect line life is so unnerving we're not whole without a soul to wait upon that soul that we're waiting upon is our innermost our divine soul but also other souls because service to humanity and if we're not doing that then we're not on our we're not on our spiritual mission we're not on point there's something awry something amiss and that causes us to be unnerved it's unnerving not to be fulfilling our role as a servant and that nervousness that tension that 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 lack that feeling of of lack of importance lack of being special lack of uh of 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 meaning in our life well that's how we try to fill it the ego tries to fill that hole in our heart with all this junk all these identifications and all these material trappings and all these addictions and all this other crap entertainment and all the other garbage that the ego fills our mind with and our heart with and our and our physical sensations our desires right to try to fill the void that is left by the simple fact that we are not serving that we are not following that we are not as benjamin said here is we are not being the vehicle we're not being the driver and the vehicle are we're not driving our vehicle together with our innermost navigator Uh, Benjamin says in the movie Anonymous, the main character Edward Devere also said uh, that he is unable to stop writing, for the voices in him compelled him to do those works, which turned out as the works of Shakespeare. He's uh, being guided by his innermost. <clears throat> we haven't watched that movie, so we won't comment on it. But uh, the plays of Shakespeare were written by Francis Bacon. And Francis Bacon was act is actually Count Saint Germain, so the movie Anonymous, no doubt, is trying to, as best as it can, uh, who knows what, uh, but it's putting forth. Uh, again, we have to watch the movie to be for sure, but it's obviously touching on it's planting the seed in the consciousness of uh, the people watching it that uh, you know Shakespeare was a um, a pen name. There really was a Shakespeare. But regardless, the point that Benjamin is making in the quote that he's giving here are, is that, uh, yes, 
when you feel compelled in that way to do something or write something and it's coming from your heart, that's that's on point. That's part of your mission. That's part of your journey. And that's your internal navigator saying, right, left, over bump, over, over crest, slow down, you know, speed up. Um, that's the that's the internal guidance that we're receiving on that journey. A journey that, again, we don't know where it's going necessarily. When when we were compelled to write our poem, Ratatoskar and the Seed. we sat down and uh, began writing it. But we didn't know where it was going. We never knew that we were going to find this image. It's the perfect image. We had no idea. But it showed up. And we had no idea. We were, we wrote every single every single uh, line, every single rhyming couplet, just one after another after another after another after another after another. We had no idea where it was going, where it would end, how long it would be. It just it didn't matter. And then it ended in a way that for us anyway. It left us in tears. Yeah, it's hard to write articles or even blogs, actually, because our egos always try to add their points to whatever we are writing or typing. So when we wrote articles in the past uh, some of them were really good where we actually took the dictation from our innermost and some articles which weren't so it's a long learning experience for sure and a lot has to be deleted at times so the whole thing really takes a long time just like making these live streams into 10 minutes <laughs> like a compilation of sorts <laughs> that really takes longer than you would expect no i we know we know how long it takes because it like we said yeah. it took us a month to do 44 pages and 80 slides it takes taken us six months to distill that down to uh six pages yeah it's it's much 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 harder to write succinctly and impactfully and succinctly than it is to write long flowery you know embellished that's why long form uh uh writing let's say uh in novels right yeah 
um, even though it's more popular, once upon a time, it was uh it was it was just well regarded it was poets who were more highly respected literature like long form storytelling was like looked down upon not looked down upon it's not the right even at some point in the past like great epics great epics were written as epic poems yeah there was a split that took place at one point and um when literature was broken into uh poetry and um and prose but at one point there was no distinction between the two if you wanted to write a long form story you still had to write it in verse um but regardless that's why one of the great uh art forms in japan is haiku yeah right and writing you know this very very short little succinct very hard to write yeah very to, to hard to read and understand as well yeah, to that's do it why well. i like it to do it well to yes exactly exactly um it's it's very 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 and that's uh there's a lot to be said for the same thing like in japan a lot of their uh art forms are like this like flower arranging yeah and they have tea ceremony a lot of it is very very simple like with all of the embellishments everything stripped away it was very very hard to do very well yeah a zen garden a japanese garden um it's it's so deceptively simple it's so hard to do that well yeah but if you're following your innermost it's easy and it's relaxing and it's a meditation yeah and that's the that's interesting it's not easy but guess what Con uh, relaxation concentration and meditation is not easy no it's not but once you get into that place what comes through it is effortless yeah if that makes any sense it does and it's like every time we're, we're on our journey and we're, we're we're to get into the zone if you will we we connect with our inner navigator and then all of our faculties can be focused on two efforts input and output yeah and that in it if we're really in the zone if we're really achieving yug right relegare mm. then those two efforts of input and output become fused together as one and we call it throughput yeah and then we are truly a vessel, a vehicle, a servant, a conduit, a messenger. And it's effortless. We made the effort to make the connection to get into the zone. And now that we're there, what flows through comes naturally, spontaneously, easily, effortless, 
differently because we made the effort already. Yeah. It's um well, like when our lives get so severe that we realize basically that we don't have to feel depressed or feel like frustrated about our life situation just because our life situation is bad. <laughs> we we don't have to. <laughs> it only consumes our energy in the end. That, of course, that uh, encompasses, again, bringing back to the analogy of rally racing yeah rally racing isn't easy isn't easy even no. if you watch it you look at it and you're like you, you'll feel yourself you, you'll if you watch like the point of view stuff like yeah. with the camera in the car you'll be like oh i can't believe that these guys don't have a heart attack doing this yeah yeah but once you become good at it and the only reason why you would become good at it is because there's something about it which which drives you yeah to become good at it and when once you become good at it it's a joy there's nothing in the world you'd rather be doing than rally racing yeah and rally driving and your spiritual journey is like that 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 you will face any challenge and you will face down whatever obstacle uh, that comes your way and you will, uh, give yourself completely to the guidance <clears throat> of your inner navigate, your inner navigator in yeah. order to overcome those obstacles and challenges, because our spiritual journey much like the race to the rally driver makes us feel more alive yeah than we do in any other endeavor yeah exactly it's more about ending up in that state where we are alive basically yeah the state in, of in, instead of like yeah i don't care <laughs> it's so bad right now that i don't care that is like setting yourself up for failure, basically, because it's back to that question to be or not to be. And the real test, the real challenge, and it's not easy to do, but if you can get there, the real challenge is to face even the, the forces inside of us that, uh, that are the cause of our depression, anxiety, what what makes us our our and apathy, yeah. those those forces inside of us that want to convince us that we don't care, they want to convince yeah. us to give up, to not give a shit. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then realize that that too is part of the journey. Yeah, the major mm -hmm. cause for our depression was basically lust, because we had no energy, so. We had no energy to feel positive feelings or whatever. So that was the first cause. Mm -hmm. uh, and we faced it directly. So now I, I'm not depressed, basically. I do not feel depressed, <clears throat> as it were. So even though some things are still 
challenging structurally. Um, I'm in a good place, <laughs> even true. though it uh, has brought much dis destruction into my life. Hmm. But again, it's more a question to be or not to be, rather than identifying with the destruction that it has brought. So we have to keep our, yeah, we have to follow our nose, basically. Benjamin uh, chimes in here about haikus. He said, haiku is very cryptic. Maybe there are lots of esoteric masters in Japan, as it's shown in their arts. Um, haiku is, yes, very cryptic is one way to put it. Very suggestive, very evocative is what it is yeah japanese art is there to evoke japanese art is there to plant a seed yeah this is up to you i'm actually watching an animated series called dies era mm -hmm. um it's like 12 episodes and it's it's so very cryptic that it would you would have to watch it like a hundred times over because it, it it's so condensed and so mm -hmm. so symbolic that we always come back to that series all the time it's an anime yeah it is what's it called Diesira, like um the like the Requiem that uh, Mozart wrote. They actually have some pieces of music from Mozart in in that uh, series. They were inspired, in fact, by Mozart uh, when it comes to their music. Oh, Desira, okay. It is time to exactly... Oh, okay, no, no, that's a character from some video game. How do you how do you spell it? Uh, let's see. There's a chat here, so I could write it here. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. So I I, I typed in Desira, but I got a. Uh, Uh, I got a I got a character from a video game. Uh, this chat isn't like public, right? I mean, I could. Oh, you put it in the private chat. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. DS so, DS era. Okay. Yeah. You. The day of wrath in English, basically, it's the Latin word for. Okay. The day of wrath. Okay, so I found the Wikipedia uh, page. Yeah. Wow, there's not much of a. All right. All right, well, I have it now. So there's not, there's, I was going to put it on the screen for people to see, but oh, you put a YouTube link here. Uh, yeah. Um, but. Um, 
I better not do that. I better not show that in yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 screen yeah, because uh, I'll get into trouble. Um, I'll write it. No, no, I, I can write the name in the in the YouTube chat as well. Yeah. So it's uh, here. It's um, it's definitely worthwhile because it's basically like it's more than game of thrones in one single like season if you will they only made uh like um so that's basically when it comes to severity that we face um oh, yeah. mm -hmm. in our life uh, so you can watch it on your own spare time basically are they are all of the episodes on uh on youtube uh no actually we okay. we go to a site called go go enemy um, okay. so uh, we just watch them there so and right. and it's free uh, of course is um, it okay yeah all right well that's a um a <laughs> good uh Benjamin, thanks you for uh, for uh, sharing perfect for leisure time. Um, all right. Well, speaking of uh, not knowing where we're going to end up and how when we're going to get there, um, let's uh, open it up to anyone who wants to share anything or uh, any other examples of anything that you might think is important to mention on the spiritual journey and how the 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 road and how uh what analogous real world examples uh can we use to help contextualize and help prepare ourselves and help us to grasp some of the challenges that we might face and some of the tools that we can uh turn to to help us in our sort of spiritual road trips um you know we i'd leave it open for anyone to to offer any more analogies or case studies examples experiences anything else you want to share i'll just leave it if no one has anything to uh to add then um then this journey has come to an end this <laughs> this yeah, life yeah. has come to a to an end and we've uh we've made it to wally world yeah um <laughs> time for a pee break <laughs> time for, yeah exactly, exactly um yes go and get uh go and um, uh, get some bad roadside food and uh and use the uh well here in north america anyway because <laughs> they can have some pretty pretty nasty uh uh toilets um <laughs> Today's live stream is really helpful. Uh, thank you, as it seems that this is another serendipitous moment from the divine. Well, it's always good to hear. We uh, we appreciate such feedback, of course, and we uh, again we were inspired to do this live stream because of our own experience last week, and um, and just another uh, uh, example of um, you know being humbled and being reminded that how far we have yet to go on our journey and that um oh i might say one more thing when you enter that sure. um 
website it's basically filled with like pop-up ads so get yourself an ad blocker if you are going to watch it right oh sure yeah the uh that that site we're, we'll probably watch it on uh, iptv yeah so we won't have to worry about that stuff let's just say there's a reason there it's for free <laughs> it's free yeah yeah no no yeah nothing yeah in other words another way nothing to say is that, free. uh azazel is that uh nothing in life is free no exactly the, nothing on the internet is free the stuff that the, the stuff that you think is free it's not <laughs> it's not really free this live stream is free yeah and it really is free yeah <laughs> but is, yeah but this is a rarity in the internet world even even the things that you think are free it's not free the information and stuff that they're getting from you and everything else and well we here we might just pay attention <laughs> that's right yeah 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 um Benjamin says you can also try a free trial on Crunchyroll. I guess that's another anime site. Oh, right. Yeah, I think uh, it might be on Crunchyroll as well. Yeah, it might be. Uh, perhaps more safer for <laughs> uh, those who do, do not have an ad blocker or <laughs> don't, do not know how to install it and all that. Um, alternatively, uh, anybody who has a, any uh, uh, road trip stories that they want to share, yeah, uh, you can always you can always do that too. Um, I can break the ice on that, I suppose. I I once was invited to uh, to stay with a friend for a couple of days in uh, Vancouver, and now normally you. You know, you would fly from Toronto to Vancouver, but because I had never seen the Rocky Mountains, um, I decided that I was going to fly into uh, Edmonton and then drive. I rented a, a Mustang convertible and I drove uh, over the Rocky Mountains into Vancouver. But the challenge was that. Nobody told me that the uh, North American Boy Scout and Girl Scout Jamboree was taking place in British Columbia at that exact time. <laughs> and this is no word of a lie. Every single hotel room in the entire province was booked. There was no vacancy ever anywhere. So as I was driving... So I arrived in Edmonton in the evening and I rented this car and it was, must've been what, what, six o'clock, seven o'clock, something like that. The sun was still up, but it was going down. I said, well, I'll drive for a while and I'll just find a motel. I'll spend the night and then I'll get up early next morning and I'll, uh, I'll do the rest of the trip in the morning and I'll arrive in Vancouver noon or early afternoon or whatever. Every place that I stopped or I slowed down to look at, every single place had a sign outside, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. But it also said, many of the places also said, welcome scouts. <laughs> and then underneath it said, no vacancy. <laughs> so this was a road trip that I ended up driving over the Rocky Mountains, through the Rocky Mountains, all night the middle of the night and 
you know how in other places, you know, you'll be driving out in the in the wilderness or whatever, and they'll have signs like, you know, watch out for deer. At one point, I had to stop the car. And that was going on the Trans-Canada Highway, by the way. This is the highway that spans from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. And um, I had to stop because in the middle of the road were three gigantic, and I mean gigantic, mountain rams. And one of them was like, like lying down in the middle of the road. And they were like, these things were like enormous. They were like bigger than, bigger than my car. And they were just, and I, you know, they weren't frozen in the headlights or anything. They were just, you know, doing ram, doing ram stuff. But they were just sitting there in the middle of the Trans-Canada Highway. And I, I had to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get around them. They were taking up two lanes of the Trans-Canada Highway. <laughs> And I'm like, holy, if, there, if a truck is going to come the other way, you guys are going to get, well, I was thinking, you know what, you these guys are going to do as much damage to the truck as they, uh, the truck does to them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I ended up all night driving through the mountains. But what an amazing experience to be able to see them. Again, it was a clear clear sky so all the stars and everything and i had the i had the convertible top down so i got to i got to drive through the mountains seeing the mountains but all in like blue shadow and stuff and it was phenomenal it was an incredible experience but again it's just one of these road trip experiences where something unexpected came that resulted in an incredible experience that i otherwise wouldn't have had because had there been a room vacant i would have gone into into a hotel and then the next day, I would have finished the 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 trip from Edmonton to to Vancouver, but with traffic and and everything else. And I certainly wouldn't have met a family of 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 uh, a mountain these 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 rams in the uh, in the middle of the night. And I was the I was the only car on the Trans Canada Highway like going through the mountains at night. Because who does that, right? Who does that? Yeah. Well, we did that. Benjamin says, but again, not planned, right? Not planned. None of it was planned. Actually, to be honest with you, none of it was planned. Um, Benjamin says, I like playing racing games on PS4, especially Gran Turismo 7, and it would get me sometimes into a meditative state and realize that life's journey is like this game, developing the ability to discern and drive in a right way in order to avoid pitfalls and wasting time which is why meditation and preserving life's energy is also vital in the journey. Um, you know, I would, in, uh, I would invite you, Benjamin, to take this comment that you just wrote and uh, copy-paste it as a comment on our, uh, on our blog. Uh, we have a, one of our... One of the uh, topics that we talked about um, we have an article called Video Games Ascending to Higher Art. Here it is here. And uh, there's the link in the chat. Take that comment that you just wrote here in the chat. We invite you to post it uh, as a comment uh, under this article. 
right here at the bottom. You can you can leave a reply. Because uh, in this article, we talk about video games and how Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, how video games can serve us, not all video games, to be sure, and not and playing video games is not going to take you to enlightenment just automatically. Nothing will. But in this article, we we talk about our experience, some of our experiences with video games, and. Um, and so your your addition of that comment there would would uh, would be beneficial, and especially because uh, we're going to be looking at uh, writing books um, in the very near future, <clears throat> and um, and this is one of the topics that we've been thinking about turning into a, a book because <clears throat> it's it's topical and we think that it can it might be able to uh, might be able to reach a, a greater audience, but we'll see. But it also we might condense it and put the video games in with because uh, we have another article on sci-fi fantasy video games etc and we might just dedicate a book to that to genre uh, genre entertainment right genre uh, of forms of art and include vid video games in that um but anyway we'll see we'll see that's that's down the road we have to finish this video that we're working on first and then we'll see where uh, we know that again this is this is that road trip that we're working on now when we get to the end of this road trip it's going to open up new opportunities and we'll have to wait and see what our inner gps tells us where do we go where do we go from here where do we gonna where do we go next all right anything else we're at the three hour mark anything else anyone else uh anything anyone else would like to share or ask now is the time because uh we think that uh, everyone has uh, everyone uh, needs a washroom break. Everybody wants to take needs has to pull over on the side of the road and take a break from this journey that we've been on this afternoon. So, yeah. So uh, we'll give someone if someone has a something they'd like to ask or share, we'll give you an opportunity to type it. It would be nice. To be honest with you, it'd be nice if StreamYards would have some kind of indicator when someone was typing a comment, but they don't. Yeah. So if you're typing a long comment, um, probably it's a it's a good idea if we ask you, does anybody have anything else to share? Type a quick comment saying yes, I do. <laughs> dot, yeah, dot, dot. before you actually write, yeah. Yeah, and then start working on the long comment. At least then we'll know that that uh that we need to wait but as it stands um we'll give it another minute or so and then call it a night um we're glad that uh, uh a few of you seem to find this uh beneficial today this is really this is in our um by our estimation, this is like some of the real rubber meets the road kind of stuff that is what really matters here and yeah. now for us as, you know, we're the vehicles, right? We're the drivers here in the, uh, in that analogy. And, and without us, 
um, you know, our, our innermost can't complete his journey. No, exactly. And without him, we can't complete our journey. We can get distracted. We can get lost. We can get confused and we can get self-absorbed in running off and wandering around all hell's half acre and wasting an entire lifetime doing that. Many people do. Yeah. So what we were talking about today, um, again, like so many of the things that we we're compelled to share and directions we're compelled to go. Um, It's all about trying to give a modern, contemporary, accessible, identifiable framework to understand what the spiritual journey really is. And that all of us are being prepared for it and have been being prepared for it all our life yeah definitely and so the more we can bring it down to earth and 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 give you the the real world you know as above so below give you these these real world um ways for you to understand and grasp and grapple with the subject matter uh it's not going to make the journey any easier but it will make your relationship and your ability to cope and handle that journey um, easier when you can see it in terms and understand that you know what i yeah okay i i know how to do this i've done this before yeah just in a different context benjamin says what can you say about some people who are not seeking to know themselves and their innermost? How can we be of service? How can we be of service to them? Or how someone who is not seeking to know themselves and their innermost, how, how someone like that can be of service? Because uh, there are many people who... Uh, they may even be Pratyeka Buddhas. They might just came here to do some good works and work a little bit on their self and go back to Nirvana. So everybody has free will. Everybody does what they feel they need to do. People who are just pursuing pleasure, hedonism, experience, they want to travel, they want to see things, they want to do things. That's, per that's their prerogative. What can we do for them? How can we be of service to them? Follow your heart. Listen to your heart. What does your heart tell you they need? And the best that we can do for anyone is plant a seed with them on that level. If you're talking about someone who's not seeking their innermost and they should be or they could be. If you're asking someone, if someone who does not, does not know themselves, is not seeking themselves, how does someone like that be of service? The answer is the same. You tell them to follow their heart. Do what feels right. 
do what matters to you. Do what you're passionate about. If there's a cause, if you want to help people, if you want to be a service to people, what cause matters to you? Just listen to your heart. Follow your heart. You don't have to talk. The average person, you don't have to talk to them about innermost. You don't have to talk about higher self. You don't have to talk about any of the stuff. But the average person who's not initiated, who's not concerned with spiritual things, maybe they're just a religious person. You can talk about, well, what does God tell you to do? What does Jesus tell you to do? What does Christ tell you to do? What do you feel in your heart? What would Christ do? What would Jesus do? That's even a meme. What would Jesus do? WWJD. It's a thing with Christians. It's a, it's a mantra of theirs. WWJD. What would Jesus do? You just ask them. What would Jesus do in this situation? Do that. Um, yeah, because most people do not even suffer for others. So we we should first of all we shouldn't expect service from others that's a good thing to meditate upon first uh, first of all well yeah there's that there's that we shouldn't expect anything really no um benjamin says thank you because when i was active in religion it was like our responsibility to save others by sharing the gospel but th thanks for that clear answer. I used to wear the WWJD bracelet and laugh out loud. Um, this, well, it was a very real eye-opening experience. Again, uh, here's something we can add to the road trip experience. Getting pulled over by the police. Getting pulled over by the police and having a police, you know, say, "Where are you? Uh, where are you all headed? You know, you've uh, you're going a bit fast down there, back there. Did you not see the speed limit, or did you not see this, or did you not see that? Did you not, you know, getting pulled over by the police it doesn't happen every time you take a road trip. Certainly unexpected, but it can happen, especially if you're traveling in the United States." Smokies down there, they love their speed traps. And of course, as someone who's not from the area, you don't know where those speed traps are because you're not familiar with the highways. Getting pulled over by the authorities and getting a slap on the wrist or a friendly reminder to obey the local speed limits or know your limits. This relates directly to what Benjamin was talking about here. About our responsibility to save others. Because we, I, I grew up in Catholicism, which is, you know, Christianity. And I grew up with a very strong intuition about myself, about saving others. And this burden kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. Um, until the Masters of the White Lodge took me into the astral plane and I, I, I was taken to like a council of the Ascended Masters and it, it felt exactly like little Anakin Skywalker before the uh, Council of the Jedi, the Jedi Council in, uh, in Phantom Menace. 
and and all of them impressed upon me said now listen very carefully you don't have to save everyone and at once it was a very humbling experience because it you know it was it was it was so clear that i had become uh almost fanatical and obsessed and that i was carrying the weight of the world around on my shoulders like a badge of honor but it was also a tremendous relief it was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because i know i knew i no longer had to carry that obsession around and that belief around that everybody i meet who's not on the path who's or who is walking on the easy path or the easy path to the wide gate that i have to do everything in my power to turn them around and get them to go in the other direction no yeah no. the light is very humbling uh we we no one can do that i mean and no one should want to do that and no one can do that and the reality is that uh p- many 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 people have made their bed and they have to sleep in it and that's just, just as simple as that nobody can take away their karma like this and nobody can take away their free will nor should we want to it's just the way it is when you go apple picking as i did uh not last week but the week before one of the things you notice when you go apple picking is all the apples strewn on the ground under the tree that are all rotting away it's just the way it is it's just how it works there is no situation where you can harvest every single apple and prevent apples from falling to the ground and rotting underneath yeah i mean you basically become like a child after such experiences like you want to know you want to know you want to meditate you you want to comprehend what it all means but uh, yeah it's it's um it is what it is and so that was for for me anyway that was an experience of like getting pulled over by the police and being reminded given a little slap on the wrist being reminded to observe my limits and observe the limits of the path yeah we can be tested by our strengths in different ways by those masters um a different benjamin says while some of us are trying to save our lives others we see ru- uh running towards destruction and it bugs us to see this happening yes yeah okay no one is saying that we can't feel compassion 
and kindness towards those that we see marching toward their doom. Of course, we feel compassion and of course we lament. But no one can be saved who does not want to be saved or does not know they need to be saved or does not think they're doing anything wrong. And there's actually many, many, many more permutations and, and uh, uh, of that situation. Permutations and combinations of people who either don't know, in other words, they're ignorant, or they're hypnotized. Yes, the other Benjamin says, reminds me of the saying, the master only appears when the pupil is ready. Yes. And there's lots of people that are just not ready. And, they, and there's lots of people who do not want to be saved. They do not want to give up their attachments and their identifications. Any of you who are on Facebook in any of the Gnostic groups, like Mystical Order of the Gnostics or any of the other esoteric groups, witness the reactions to any post about sexual alchemy, any post about white tantra, any post that derides the indulgence of the orgasm, and you just observe how quickly dozens and dozens and then hundreds of people will react with such animosity, with such further fervor and passion against the notion of white tantra and against the correct practice of sexual alchemy. They are so attached to their desire. They're so attached to uh, orgasm. They're so identified with their lust. Those you you can't we can't do anything for those people. We can't. We 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 just can't. There's nothing we can say to them. There's nothing we can show. There's no convincing them. And truly, we shouldn't want to convince them. We shouldn't want to convince anybody. We shouldn't we should not want to coerce anyone. We are not used car salesmen. We are not here to dupe or trick or coerce or convince anyone to do anything that they themselves have not realized they need to do. So for our part, we can plant a seed with them. We can show by our example and by our words and by any other means that we have available to us, we just show them another way. So you're doing, you're going this way, that's fine, but you know, there's this other way. Yeah, yeah, I'm walking this way. You might consider walking this way too. Just, just throwing that out there. Just, just consider it. Or at the very least, ask yourself, why 
the direction that you're going in is so special or so important or so uh, absolute that you're so attached to it and identified with it that you can't give it up or you're not or you're not willing to look at any other options and if the answer is depending on the answer will tell you a lot about are you walking the path or is your path walking you and it doesn't hurt depending on the situation depending on the individual it doesn't hurt to to point out that they're walking down the mountain into the valley below and i'm walking up the mountain just just saying because you'll get this answer from people you'll get you'll get this very trite clever ego rationalization from people all the time they will say oh but there's many 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 ways there's many many paths it's not just your path how how do you know that my path isn't as good as valid as your path there are many 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 paths i said yeah there, there are many paths up the mountain but the direction is still up and there are far greater number of paths down the mountain into the valley and into the mines below it's, it's because it's way easier to go tumbling down the mountain and it's way easier to go tumbling down the mountain yeah we must remember that basically all masters or any master is never weak which means they have been strengthened in different ways previous to their masterhood so if we are weak we are yet to be strengthened basically and that's why severity exists first of all so some people may actually need to build up some negative karma because one day they may realize that well this isn't good i have to do something about this but it's not up to us to basically tell them that they are on that road because they will more likely realize that themselves sooner or later or they may some of them in the uh in the kali yuga it's uh it's tough but regardless people are people need to be free to do to live their lives yeah they see fit for better or for worse and um that's why you know our purpose here is to show the show must go on plant a seed we wish them well we hope for the best whatever that means for them and if that means they have to fall in this lifetime then so be it um 
but considering that this humanity is already in hell it is very it's a very hard uh pill to swallow it's a very hard uh, case to make yeah that anyone here now in a humanity that's 97 percent asleep only has about three percent awakened consciousness on average uh it's a very difficult case to say that people have to fall further right we're already in hell yeah we are so um but having said that people have to realize that they're in hell and just like an alcoholic nobody can convince an alcoholic that they are an alcoholic they themselves have to stand up raise their right hand in front of a group of peers and say my name is so-and-so and i am an alcoholic that's the first step of the 12-step program and you have to comprehend that though the individuals every single last individual who has ever done that in an aa program raised their hand and admitted in public that they were an alcoholic every single one of those individuals had friends had family had loved ones had acquaintances had had co-workers or or uh bosses or underlings tell them hey why don't you go easy on the stuff hey i think you might have a problem have you ever like they were told by everyone that cares for them You know, so, uh, and many people are out there in the world who are still um, possessed by whatever demon is causing their addictions. And they've heard it all. They've heard it from loved ones. They've heard it from complete strangers. They've heard it from bartenders. They've heard it from you know they've heard it from bank managers right mortgage counselors well you name it and yet they still haven't made the change they still haven't gone to a meeting and they still haven't raised their right hand and admitted to themselves and to others in that meeting so the reason why we always bring up that example is because it's such a visceral real indisputable experience that illustrates the state of this humanity and what it takes for people to be saved because remember nobody can save an alcoholic nobody can save an addict exactly nobody can yeah saves them it's only when they surrender that they can save themselves their innermost saves them they save themselves this is true for everybody everywhere on the spiritual path nobody 
can walk anybody else's spiritual path for them. And nobody can get anybody to change their direction. Nor should we want to. And it's a complete and utter waste of time to try to do so. Yeah, remember the coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> excuse me. And of course, the, um, the article which we wrote that now is what? Eight years old now, this article. We wrote it eight years ago on October 15th. So just almost exactly eight years ago. Whether this question to herd or not to herd, that's really what this is about. You see these people that are running towards destruction. And that's a job of a that's a job of a of a, a border collie. Is to keep the herd in line, to keep it from, you know, to keep the sheep from falling off a cliff or 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 you know wandering off and getting lost or like falling into the river and drowning or whatever. The border colleagues, you know, is so on. This article addresses this question in the most practical of ways and the most meaningful of ways. Going back to the question of the Benjamins asking here. Okay. I, right, Attila, I, Attila, did not write this article. But I, Attila, typed this article for my sake. I needed to read this article. So we wrote it because I needed to read it. And not only did I need to read it, I needed to meditate on it. I needed to comprehend it. I needed to take it to heart. And I needed to understand fully and completely and deeply, profoundly and comprehensively. I, Attila, cannot save anyone. It's, it's like Jesus said, like, weep not for me weep for yourselves put the link in this article no i it means this what this article is about and what i'm trying to impart or impress upon you in answer to this question i Attila, I'm not qualified.
in this image, which is a competent, comp, uh, composite image here, it combines a whole bunch of different symbols, archetypes, including the humble shepherd, the hidden master, the warrior monk, the noble samurai. We ask the question, how do we relate to them and the archetype of the magician? We've been talking about it for three and a half hours to one degree or another. We've been talking about it. But in this article, we express it using these other archetypes. Do border collies really herd sheep? Do samurai swords really strike down ronin or soldiers or other samurai? Does Moses's staff perform the miracles? He tells Aaron, Aaron, cast my staff upon the waters and, you know, what, and then miracles happen. Who really shepherds sheep? If you watch a shepherd working with his border collies, you hear his calls. He calls to the dogs, and the dogs answer the call long before there were telephones. Long before there were telephones. It was an ancient expression to answer the call. So, in answer to this question, right, or this statement, of course, we want to prevent people from but we have to follow our innermost shepherd. We have to be the samurai sword in the hand of our master. We have to serve the master. Everything we do is for the sake of the master. It doesn't help anybody if we go against the will of our innermost master with all the greatest intentions we might have to save others or help others if we end up doing harm to them and doing harm to ourselves in the process then this is not good because if we keep serving our master then our master will become a greater shepherd and we by his side in service to him will become that much more capable and will be able to hurt. we will be able to serve <clears throat> a shepherd who will be able to herd much 
greater flocks of sheep. <clears throat> but a border collie running around who's not listening for the calls of his master is just a loose cannon and following his instinct to herd sheep. But we must serve the shepherd. And this is, it's tough because the ego wants to exploit all of our intuition and all of our passion. And if our intuition says that we're here to help people and we're here to save people, the ego wants to exploit that and twist it and corrupt it into, oh, we have to save everyone. And then creates this huge weight, 16 ton weight and dangles it above our head. Oh, you better not mess up. Oh, there's one getting away. Go and, go and save him. Go and save him at all costs. Go and save him. And the ego is actually coaxing us to go and throw ourselves off a cliff in an attempt to save that one person who was a lost cause anyway. We have to be practical. Having said all that, if we serve our master, we serve the inner shepherd. We can comprehend the parable of the shepherd and the lost sheep. Because the shepherd will leave his flock to go and find the one lost sheep. And he will leave his dogs behind to keep an eye on the flock. Meditate on this. And if you read the article, you will fully comprehend who is the shepherd and who is the border collie? Who is the dog? And who is the shepherd? Coming back to the rally driving, right? Who is the navigator? Who is the driver? And in the parable of the shepherd and the lost sheep, the shepherd knows that his, his other sheep are safe because they are under the watchful eye of his loyal dogs or his loyal dog. But do you think the shepherd, do you think the dog is qualified to run out in the middle of the night and go find the lost sheep and bring it back? This is the parable of the lost sheep that Jesus, that Jesus told. The shepherd goes out. So there are times when someone is, the lost sheep needs to be saved. But it's just not up to us to make that call. Our innermost shepherd will decide. And that's a simple answer to that question, how to approach it. That's what this whole article is about. That's what this whole article is about. And this comes back to 
our whole spiritual journey and uh, and everything we've talked about today in terms of the road trip. We might be driving the car, right? We that's it's our car. It's it's our vehicle. But we have this passenger who has a destination, and the passenger has the map. The passenger has the stopwatch. The passenger has all the info. The passenger is the navigator, and we're just the driver. And we're on this treacherous, crazy mountain rally road. Or we're the we're the uh, the sheepdog. And beside us is our innermost shepherd. And there's the flock that needs to be herded. I just watch some YouTube videos of shepherds working with their border, border collies. And how the border collies, yes, they keep the sheep in line. But more importantly, they answer the call. They answer the call. And that's how you know when someone needs to be saved. You might judge them as needing to be saved, but if you don't get the call, you've, your shepherd knows better. Your innermost knows better than you. Yeah. I hope that we hope we, we're making that clear. We hope that's 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 um, that that's clear because this is a real challenge for people on on um people who feel very strongly the urge to help others it's a it's a very tough it's tough it's a bitter pill to swallow that sometimes you just have to respect people's choices to march towards oblivion yeah, it's like the car crashes in races as well. I mean, you don't follow them into the wall and crash yourself. <laughs> That's right. But you got to keep racing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't stop. They can't stop the race. The other drivers don't stop over and and you know stop their cars and say, "Oh my gosh, I you know I feel so bad." I mean, it's. Uh, it's as nothing it has nothing to do with being cold-hearted mm. or wholly indifferent or anything like that you can feel compassion you can feel for these people but life goes on and um and what cannot be saved or what's it's not up to us it's not up to us it just isn't but that's a very good question and uh it is worthwhile again i'm meditating on and and um and again we we you know reiterate i needed to read this article and that's why we wrote it it's one of the first articles we wrote because of how desperately i needed to read it and um we shared it with many people and uh, for the most part, uh, it's safe to say that the majority of people that we've tried to share it with have rejected it. They don't want to hear it. 
There's too many self-styled spiritual people out there that do not want to hear or think about or accept the idea that they are not the God, that they are not God. People just don't want to grasp the notion that this false self, this false identity, this character that they're playing in this life, this persona, isn't already a God. And so they have the right to do whatever the hell they want, and they're going to do it. Anyone else have any other thoughts or questions, comments, concerns, things to share, things to anything? We're coming up on the four hour mark again. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. You know, uh, we're familiar with some live streams that easily go past four or five hours all the time. And they're talking about entertainment and stuff. Thank you so much for that, Benjamin says. Your explanation totally makes sense. I struggled to understand that feeling of saving people for decades. And now I have understood a great deal. And I will read the article. It's tough. And again, that's why we, you know, we 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 share our experiences and we 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 do the work we do and and we're going through what we're going through because so many other people are going through it. And if what good is our experience if we can't help others learn from it? And if we can't help others cope with their challenges and their what they're facing. And it's such a the Kali Yuga is such a confusing time. And there's so many different opinions and there's so many different theories and versions. And and so when you have these feelings, these longings, and look, we can look to an entire segment of the population, these so-called, um, what's the best way to refer to them? Uh, uh, the ones who are uh, caught up in the... Um, the intersectional political movement, right? So the social justice warriors and, uh, you know, the the, the postmodernists, all of them are secretly motivated by the intuitive longing to make the world a better place. They all believe in their heart of hearts that they're doing the right thing and that they are on the right side of history and that they are on the right side of morality and and everything else. It just so happens that uh, atheistic communism (laughs) is their vehicle to do that. And, And how all of that is a complete perversion of their intuitive longing to help people and make the world a better place and to help underprivileged and to 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 give advantages to the disadvantaged and to help raise them like all of this is being is an exploitation of that longing to save people 
And that's why these people are so passionate and they're so fanatical. But all fanaticism is an under is an undermining, a twisting, and a corruption of pure, objective, truthful, beautiful longing for love, goodness, and sacrifice for the betterment of others. Remember at the beginning, we talked about how the ego intercedes and the ego will wrap stories, its elaborate fables and fantasies, its, its narratives around kernels of truth. And that people will become attached to and identified with the fantasy, the story that ego has, wo has uh, woven based on their, their uh, feeling into and resonating with the absolute truth at, uh, kernel at the center of the, uh, of the narrative. This is, this is what the SJW postmodernist uh, movement is a perfect example of. Only it's not so much an objective truth that it's wrapped around. It's just exploiting people's deep, deep, deep longing to make the world a better place. And but that's all dogma and all fanaticism is based around this. You're, you're resonating with something so entertainment fanaticism, people who are fanatics of Star Wars, um, they're resonating with Star Wars on that deep, deep esoteric level, but their mind <clears throat> distracts them and interferes and, and gets them obs uh, to fall into obsession and idolatry of the surface level action and story and characters and this and that and the other thing so they they collect toys and all this other stuff so they fall into the idolatry of it all and all of their passion all of their deep resonance that's felt on that deep deep level gets misdirected and it gets exploited and this exploitation happens with every mythology with every religion with every so-called franchise with every you know whatever you know, nationalism, politics, it's, it's all the same. And so, and that exploitation happens in business as well. It's where people have a, a longing for whatever, a longing for happiness. Isn't that something that every business exploits? Right? Because aren't, isn't every advertisement just an elaborate ego narrative? behind which uh this glimmer of hope that there's peace and happiness in xyz product or service the whole of physical reality is like this and ego identification with for example mechanical nature that's what the whole environmental movement and all of the uh the um <clears throat> the aboriginal uh, pagan spiritual traditions that worship their ancestors, <clears throat> mechanical nature, and the elemental spirits of nature. 5D down. All of that is just distraction and interference <clears throat> and causing people to become identified and obsessed with the surface level 
instead of penetrating deep, deep within themselves and the timeless universal truth behind and beneath that surface level called divine nature. It's all the same thing that's playing out in all of these different ways, including our longing to help others and save others. And as, as we've been saying, that gets twisted and corrupted by ego to become dogmat, dog, dogmatic, obsession, fanaticism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, largely it has to do with this, the failure of people to comprehend this relationship, to comprehend the relationship between Sam and Frodo, to comprehend the relationship between driver and navigator. And so many other, you know, so many other expressions of this archetype. Okay. Any other comments or questions or things to share, things to ask? We'll give you six minutes. (laughs) (laughs) no i I think for us at least unless we uh end up in such a i don't know whatever topic that we won't we won't rule it out but we think four hours is plenty i think for most people (laughs) yeah attention only takes you so long and remember and and, and remember we did already at the three hour mark, we were already saying it might be time to say goodbye. So, yeah, but that's, that's sometimes the journey gets extended. Sometimes your road trip gets extended. Yeah. Like when I was going to Vancouver, I was just going to fly to Edmonton and then get a hotel for the night, but I ended up having to drive the rest of the way into Vancouver all night. So it just is what it is. Sometimes, you know, circumstances, the way they unfold and that's what we got to do. Yeah. We got to do. Uh, Jules Luxton says, Thank you. Glad you went on late so I could join. It's been a while as the time difference here. Oh, yes. Where are you, Jewel? What's the time difference? It's actually midnight here now. Oh yeah, it's midnight in uh, and you're in uh, Sweden, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, she's in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 what time is it there now in Australia for you? It's got, it's like, it's like twenty-four hours, right? Like, or twenty, is it twenty-four hours difference? Or so. Wh- so 2 p.m. So we do Eastern Daylight Time right now. So we're at 9:21. Okay, is that in the a.m. or the p.m.? Or is that or is, so 9:21 a.m. Okay. So Monday or Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't do well with time zones. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you could join us. I'm glad you could join in. And um, 
well, hopefully we'll see you again uh, at some future day. Now, of course, you know, they're all, these are all recorded and they're all left online. So if you miss the beginning or whatever, you can always go back and listen to it later. If, uh, if that's, uh, she says, haha, Monday. Okay. 921 Monday. All right. Okay. So it's not quite. Yeah. So she's tw- six. What's that? 12 plus three. 15 hours. She's 15 hours ahead. You're 15 hours ahead of us. If you did the math on that, right? All right. Uh, anyone else have any comments or questions or she goes, okay, yes, no, they're all online. We have an, an, an archive too, but, um, all our live streams stay online until YouTube takes them off. But uh, well, I certainly don't expect anybody to go through and watch all of them. But if you want to go back and watch what you missed today, you can certainly do that because it's going to be on the main Atlas uh, information channel. Um, yeah, okay. So yeah, we all, everybody. I should... Sometimes I um, have a bad habit of telling people things they already know. So So on that basis, uh, anything else anybody would like to share, ask? I figure we might as well go to four hours. It's only two minutes away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have nothing to share right now, at least. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better, Azazel. That's good to hear. That's good yeah. to hear. Um, now, maybe... Oh, look. Oh, hey, Sex Fine Pro chimed in. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, perhaps if everything goes really well this week and nothing happens to divert us from the work we're doing, it's possible that we might be able to premiere this video that we've been working on and that we talked about a little bit tonight uh we might be able to premiere it next sunday for you first before it goes live anywhere else um and perhaps if we do that we might ask for feedback or or so on so that we can get a sense of if there's something that we've missed or something that should be done differently etc etc we can't promise anything but if all things go well we should we should be able to do that next Sunday. Uh, no promises, because again, there, there might be uh, mitigating circumstances. But again, we'll do our best. And if we can, then we can get on with it. And then you guys will get be the first to see it next Sunday. All right, then. Sound like a plan? Speaking of someone who doesn't like the plan, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, we're glad that, uh, you all took the time and made the effort to join us tonight. Uh, we hope that, uh, this, this topic was of value to you and that we hope that uh, you'll be able to make good use of the information and the discussion here today, um, in your own spiritual journey, because really it's not easy for any of us. And, um, 
and uh, you know it's it's good to know that you're not alone and it's good to know that uh, there are others who have faced you know similar similar challenges and obstacles yeah so just remember that the tools for you to overcome them on your own journey they're, they're inside of you and you need only tap into them and access them so if there's nothing else we'll say whoops where is it inferential peace and uh we'll see you all uh next weekend we hope yeah take care take care take care Azazel. <laughs>